Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different, we can have our own opinions, have our own views, and have those conversations in a respectful way. Because respect needs to be given, it needs to be earned, and I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions, can have a platform, and we can work and talk together. And so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought, alternative thought, and I I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions. But, you know, as I've said before, there is no such thing as a wrong opinion. Opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. The exchange of views, fair debate, no cancelling, no interrupting, no aggressive responses. We want to hear what people have to say. Whatever side you're on, and the listener, the consumer with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. This is Up Your Brave on Reality Check Radio, Fridays, 10 a.m. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show, where it's all about courage, confidence, community, and connection. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, if we haven't met before. I'm a Canadian Kiwi, a speaker, an author, an ex-Outward Bound instructor, a business and human design coach, and a truth seeker and wellness warrior. You can find me at upyourbrave.com. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about navigating grief and loss and coming out stronger. And, you know, there's a lot of grief in the world at the moment, and, and particularly in this past week, a lot of, like, crazy things happening Um, I wish we'd hear more about the positive things. If you missed the show last week, you can catch the replay on realitycheck.radio, where last week we talked about staying positive in turbulent times. Uh, But yeah, things in the news this week, you know, there was the the Posey Parker thing. There was there's earthquakes and a shooting in America, the shifting of the banking system. Some might call it the collapse of the banking system. Things are changing. Things are changing. I actually do, by the way, feel positive about where we are heading, uh, but we are definitely navigating some interesting times at the moment. So I wanted to do a little positive shout out to some good things that have happened in New Zealand in the past few weeks. We had a lot of uh, festivals going on. There was Spirit Fest and there was Earth Beats um, and some positive experience of experiences with people coming together, creating community, uh, finding confidence in each other's connections Um, And I think that's really important, too, to remember to focus on that and not just um, the turbulent stuff. So let's go to some listeners' emails. Thank you so much to those who emailed in. I've got two segments that I really encourage people to email in about. But of course, welcome to hear your thoughts on the topics and um, if you've got questions as well for the guests. But the two segments I've got is my what in the world segment and my bucket list busters. So what in the world is the segment where I would love to receive emails from people with questions around what exactly is going on in the world, or can you please explain this acronym to me or whatever it might be. And then the bucket list busters, we would love to help you to tick off a few things, not just wait until you're 
uh, a little bit older, but tick off a few things on your bucket list and we can help you through community and connections, inspiration and confidence. So email in if you've got specific things that you want to do on your bucket list. I was interviewing someone the other day and they said they really wanted to travel to Greece. So, hey, if you've been to Greece and you've got some tips on what to do, what not to do, you can email those through. So any bucket list ideas, send us in your bucket list. One to two items would be great. Inbox at realitycheck.radio. So let's go to these emails from the, our lovely listeners. We've got Wayne who messaged in. And Wayne says, during the freedom protest at Parliament, a car was driven through police lines. The feeling at the time was that this was a false flag to portray the protesters in a bad light. I'd like to know what happened to the driver. Was he prosecuted? What was his sentence? Cheers. Thank you, Wayne, for that. And, um, you know, it's interesting with these protests. Uh, in fact, with the one the other week, you know, part of me was thinking, mm, this is interesting. Is this a distraction with the the Posey Parker? Is this a distraction? Is this more attempt uh, to divide us as a nation and pit people against each other? Part of me does wonder that. I have become a bit of a skeptic, even though I'm usually an optimist, but in the past few years, things have shifted. Um, I do not know the answer about that, but if anyone out there listening does know what happened to the driver and were they prosecuted, um, what was the sentence? then you're more than welcome to get in touch and we can let Wayne know. So thank you for your question, Wayne. Uh, yeah, crazy times a year ago, but also monumental times with so many Kiwis coming together for that protest and so much positivity. But of course, what was reported and what was shown in a lot of the footage was the negative stuff. So we all know we have to take things with a grain of salt. And that's why we're here to bring a little bit more truth to what's going on in the world. Um, let's go to my next question which is from Z. Thank you so much. By the way, when you email in, I would love to know where you're emailing in from. So let, let us know your city or town where you are as well. It says, attention, Natalie, in response to your message about what kind of topics we would like you to cover. Hi, Natalie. I'm not sure of your background in holistic health, but I would love to hear a lot about holistic health topics and solutions. Thanks. From Z. Yes, Z, definitely. I have been very intrigued. I've been involved with my business with holistic health for the past nine years, uh, but always open to kind of more holistic options and also just looking at the, the whole body, not just lasering in on, for example, your sore ankle or whatever it might be. Um, so I definitely will be bringing in some experts in the area of holistic health and healing and looking at um, different modalities around wellness and how we can be more proactive in our wellness and of course, more empowered with our wellness. In fact, one of the topics I'm planning in the future is called empowered wellness, but I will definitely cover holistic health in a number of sessions as well. Also, as a parenting author myself, I'm also very, very interested in helping parents to parent their children and be empowered with that parenting. Um, and so I'll be talking about some parenting topics too and bringing in people on that topic as well. Thank you so much. Send in your emails. We're going to go to a break in a second, but definitely send in your questions and your emails to inbox at realitycheck.radio. All right, let's go to a break. I was searching, I was looking for meaning. I was wondering, desperately trying only to see. 
Desperately trying only to see 
This is Up Your Brave on Reality Check Radio, Fridays, 10 a.m. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. This is your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And today we're talking about the topic of navigating grief and loss and coming out stronger. Uh, In a minute, we're going to go to some local Kiwis who are living it. Um, And later on in the show, stay tuned because I've got the incredible Lance Burdett coming in. Now, he is a speaker and an author, a specialist in coping skills for better resilience and psychology of safety practitioner. I've also got another guest, Rachel Gillespie, who is down in Queenstown area, and she's going to share with us some of her own personal experiences and journey around grief and loss, as well as some strategies that people can implement to really help them to navigate through hard times and come out stronger. So here we go. We've got a little bit of a, a impromptu interview here with uh, Leslie and then Emma. So enjoy. So I've got the honor today of chatting with my friend Leslie Dixon, who is one of the many, the, the thousands of people drastically affected by the floods. And, you know, it's crazy because the news, the media, the talk of the town, you know, it moves on. And um, but but these people are still living it day in, day out basically getting through the day, a lot of them. So Leslie, welcome to Reality Check Radio. It's amazing to have you here. How are you guys doing? Hi, Nat. Thanks for having me here. Um, it's, a, it's a process, <laughs> I think is the only word, or I wrote down what an initiation, really, <laughs> um, on something yesterday. Um yeah, I mean, we have an amazing community here in Murawai, and I'm so grateful to be here and be with all these incredible people. But it's it's quite interesting. I think probably one of the biggest pieces for me has been that when you're all affected, and so all your friends who you speak to are all got their own piece of the puzzle as well, which can be helpful. But also when you need somebody to just be able to say, this is what's happening for me, this is this is my truth. Then sometimes, you know, I've had to step outside of that. So the community can be really supportive, and they're always, to me, they've been always been supportive. But also, that's how I've had to find my own way to support myself is find other people outside of the community to actually support me. And for me to be able to say this is what's happening for me, you know, without any kind of filters, I guess, you know. I mean, that exactly. And, you know, I was talking to my guest, Lance Burdett. So for the listeners, if you didn't hear that interview, make sure you catch the replay. Um, But he, you know, he says exactly that it's we need to allow people the chance to acknowledge what happened instead of like, right, let's move on. It's like, no, you're still kind of living it. And we need to allow you the chance to, to talk about it. And that's really what I'd love to do today. And if you don't mind, if you're okay with it, I would love you to kind of take us to the moment. I know you had a midnight evac evacuation. Can you just explain to the people like like us who, you know, we were we were at home and I was at home in Auckland with my family. It was stormy, but totally different situation um, for me, at least. Can you just talk us through how it was for you? Um, yeah, sure. Um, so 
we live on the wild west coast we're used to storms you know we we our power goes off frequently so having our power off isn't something unusual for us so and we have a lot of wind and rain you know and so but it, this was different it was definitely different and it was a different wind it made this kind of crazy noise it was felt very cyclical um and um yeah, it was just like, wow, what is this? And then I'm part of a, a little community within the community. It's an old motel where I live. And um, so there's 10 kind of groups of people live here. So we have a messenger group. And then what happened was one of the people who doesn't live here put a message on the group saying that the house had slipped that and that there was a fireman trapped, a firefighter trapped. And we were like, and it was like, holy crap, like, and and I was like, oh my gosh! And and I was like, what what do I do now? I live on my own. I was just like, what's next? And um and then there was then he put another message on. So he was getting them from some emergency channel or something. And and because I don't listen to the news, I'll say that right now because you know <laughs> I don't hear the news that I want to hear. And so um and then he put another one saying there was another house slipped as well. And I was like, okay shit Lisa this is serious um okay so what do I need to do I need to pack a bag so so I packed my bag and I had it all ready and and I don't know what I was waiting for you know like what I was actually waiting for for and this has come up for me since you know who gave me looking for permission for what you know who getting permission for what anyway I, I had all my bags packed I couldn't go to sleep it was like midnight my friend was texting me she'd already evacuated her home she lived in Domain and had gone to another home and still didn't feel safe there and ended up somewhere else the essential oils place and she said there's room here for you if you need to you can come here and I was like okay I got a plan <laughs> and um so I was deciding whether to put my bags into the horizon go out in the horizontal rain and was just about to decide and then somebody put a message on our thread that said and it was maybe 12 30 at night they said we had to evacuate and I was like okay this is it so I picked up my bags put them in the car and then where I live the part that I live in has eight different flats so I knocked on all my neighbors doors because two of them are my close friends and nice and I knew they were asleep. I tried ringing them and hadn't got a reply. And so I just went around knocking on everybody's doors saying, we've got to evacuate. And that was a really interesting experience because people had different reactions to that, which I wasn't expecting. But anyway, um, but I went back to my friends and, and this one particular friend who was like kind of comatose still, you know, I said, okay, where's your sleeping bag? Where's your pillow? Let's find some food. Let's put some clothes in a bag. Let's jump in my car. They're saying to go to the surf club, but they're saying it's flooded. Um, you can only get to the cafe and then they've got a, um, they're sending the surf patrol thing and it's buggy to come and pick you up and, and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, oh my God, that doesn't sound very safe to me. And, and I thought, well, as long as I can get through the road at the bottom here where there's a big, that always floods on the corner, um, as long as I can get through there, then I can go up. And I'd rather go up than go down. Mm -hmm. So so when I approached that corner, um, I was like, oh, there isn't any water there. That's a miracle. I've been asking my angels, was I going to be okay? 
but I still went at the top of the corner where I always know it's the shallowest and it's that crazy thing about water at night right you can't can't see and mm -hmm. as soon as you hit it you're like shit there's water there and I was like okay just keep driving this so you're going to be okay keep driving keep driving and so I did and we got through it and so then we went up the hill up and then we had to try and I was trying to look at my phone for the pin number for the gate for this place that is just like wind and rain and everything and you try to keep your phone dry you know because you do everything on your phone right trying to get you to do open this gate to this place and I don't even know where we were going but that was where we needed to be and anyway someone met us and took us inside and um, this incredible family took us in for the night which was just amazing and I just like I was so grateful to have anywhere to go but I just in my heart I knew that that was going to be the best place for me to be able to be able to sit in my nervous system a lot easier than with a whole lot of people who were upset and 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 everything so yeah and for you so, Leslie how many days until you were able to go back to your house um well I stayed away about a week and a half um you know, there was no power and water for, I think, four, four or five days. So so there's some of the people who went to the surf club who then went on to the, the stadium, they stayed there that whole time because there was no point coming home, um, you know, unless you were totally set up for the camping kind of situation. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I actually wanted it to rain again before I came home. That was kind of a thing in my head for me to feel a bit safer that, you know, which it did, and then and then it was okay. Um, so yeah, so I've to know that it could withstand another rainfall. Yeah, yeah. Well, because well, this was just in my head, and you know, we all have these things in our heads, right? But if there was any loose stuff, then the rain would wash the next lot of loose stuff away, and so then it would present and however it was going to present the next time, you know. So now, like, I mean, that is a, in itself a traumatic experience. And, you know, we're talking about grief and loss. And sometimes we need to release, you know, the emotions around the experience. And not, I, I didn't want to talk you through it to make you relive it, but just to give people an idea of what it was actually like for you guys. It's like, pack a bag and you're not even back there for a week and a half until later. And yeah. then now, flash forward, what is it? Five weeks or six yeah. even? Yeah. Yeah. Later, and a lot of societies moved on to other things, thinking about talking about you guys are still there, picking up the pieces as such. So what have you what have you done to be able to, I guess, move through the grief and loss or move forward, you and the community? Um so me personally, where I ended up staying was at my friend um, Paula's place, Kula, and she had three families in the house, another family in the retreat centre, and then I was staying with her mum in this other place. So we were like this whole community there, and we were all really good friends, and so that was really nice, and to just support each other through that space, um, and I think, you know, that was really beautiful, but I was also ready to kind of see what this looked like on the other side. Um, for myself, um, gosh, um, I've had lots, so many amazing people offer help. And mm. um, and in the end, what I did was I, I was actually really brave. And I, I just said to people, I really appreciate you offering. And um, 
people some people offered specific things but I just said to people actually I don't know what I need but I know that when I'll need it I'll need money and so people um donated me money and honestly Nat that was I'm so proud of myself for asking because that was that really helped me so much because I was going to ask for a um a um an advance on my wages from school because I didn't know what I need but I knew I'd need something you know and so that really helped me so much and just like my car needed a warrant and I was in the middle of kind of trying to get all that done and just stuff right and your phone my phone charges weren't working because everything got wet and you know yeah just stuff just Just, yeah just to to get through the the the, get through life I mean you do have to keep not just moving forward but actually paying paying for bills and things so my my other question was around you know were you able to work did you just have to kind of get in the car and slap on a happy face and and work I mean how did that I was really lucky. My work were super supportive, and they just said, "Just come back when you're ready." Nice. So I had I had two weeks, I had two weeks off, so which was incredible. And I thought that I was okay when I went the Thursday. Like I started again on the the following Monday, and I went on the Thursday night to a meeting because a lot of the parents were there because a lot of the parents helped out financially as well, which was just so amazing. And um. And, and but I was so upset. But I also noticed, like, like when people actually saw you, it like it helped them as well. Mm. Like people go, "Oh my gosh, you're actually okay," you know, because suddenly it was like this real life person was in the situation that they knew, you know. And and you know, like I just had people not just at school but other places as well, just you know, like just grab me and go, "You're okay," you know, like. So um, yeah, so that was pretty emotional, but but so I felt that from both sides, you know, like me needing that, but also other people needing that as well. But um, and just ways that I supported myself was um, well, I went and got some homeopathic drops straight away, and the pharmacy there's a naturopath that worked from there. They um, she just gave me bottles. She said just give these bottles to people. Gave me rescue remedy. Gave me sleep stuff. Just took it all off the shelf and just said to just hand it out to your community, which I did, which was amazing. And then I had a friend who makes first fight like flower drops, and she did a crisis one, and she did that, and then. Then you help me with the doTERRA oil ones as well. And so I've just had this like incredible kitty of things to be able to hand out to people and just share, which has just been amazing. And just, you know, rub some oil on their wrists or the kids when once I did get back to school, I was, you know, putting it on the, the children as well. And um, communities do rise. They do come together, you know, in times of Turbulation, they do come together. And you know, congratulations to you on saying when they said, What can we do to help? It would have been easy to say, Oh no, I'm fine, or other people have it worse. But you know, you yeah. actually said the thing that would would help it would be the money. So, you know, good on you for asking. Um, I know that also you did a beautiful equinox circle, getting some women together. And one of your gifts and talents is creating these. I talked about it on my positivity episode, actually, um, creating these beautiful sculptures in the sand. You're, you know, you were the sand magic lady. So I don't know when you're going to be able to get back to doing that, but um, just it's just really good to see how people are able to help support each other through this time that nobody really expected. 
Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, that's been one of the biggest things for me. There's kind of, you know, grief for myself just with life, you know, that it's not like it was. And like every morning still we don't have permanent water. And so you can get up and the water might be running or it might not be, you know. And so those things that are your daily routine suddenly aren't there. And, and I've just found how much that throws me, you know, mm. like, um yeah so and then they've just put some more houses onto the water now which is fantastic but I just saw an email today that said you know be really careful with your water and all of that and and because if it's not the water it's the generator that moves it and so that's just part of our every day you know you just can turn on the tap and you don't know if you have water um and you know yeah (laughs) well we're sending we're sending you so much love we're sending yeah. so much love. I mean, I know it's it's just an ongoing thing. We're going to talk to some other people who have been through. I, I had a friend in Auckland who lost her home, um, you know, and I had and some friends also down in Napier Hawks Bay. So we're going to talk to some of them as well. But thank you for sharing a little bit of, you know, your experience, giving us a little window into what it was like for you. Any last comments for our listeners? Um, well, I just think, um, yeah, just doing what you can for yourself saying yes to all the people who offer help you know and really asking for what you need I think is is really important and find you know if you can find that person that you can just tell your whole story to um to help support you in that way I think that's really important nice thanks Leslie that's Leslie Dixon everybody I call you the sand magic lady thanks Leslie (laughs) thank you you've heard the words Open, fair, both sides of the story, it's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio, rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. So as you guys may know, you know, I started out as a parenting author And I've always been one to just be obsessed with really protecting and nurturing kids. You know, I'm a self-confessed mama lion. I know we've got a lot of mama lions rising up at the moment. So right now, I'd just love to um, chat a little bit with my friend, Emma. She's a speech language therapist from uh, Marawai, West Auckland. Um, You know, Emma experienced, Emma, I know you experienced um, loss, grief and loss around the landslides. Um, that happened recently, and also jobs and mandate. So um, you really can connect with this week's topic. But where I'd really love to to go with you and just get your thoughts on is 
how are the kids coping, you know, as a result of what you've seen in the last two years? So welcome to Reality Check Radio. And like, how are the kids? Yeah, thanks, Ned. Um, well, what I'm really finding is there's lots of kids over the past two years that are really needing extra support now. And that I feel is definitely as a result of being at home, not being with their peers, not being at school, not being able to see people's faces, their expressions. And I really feel like that's affecting the way that they're able to communicate now. And I'm getting a lot of um, questions from parents asking me, you know, like, is this normal for this age? And yeah, should I be seeking more support for the communication? Um, yeah, and especially around their pronunciation, which I'm finding because of the mask, they haven't been able to see people's faces. And that's one of the key ways that children learn their speech. And also with the reading and writing, the phonological awareness, I'm seeing that kids just haven't had that support at school or however, you know, like that extra, um, yeah, that extra support that they would have had over the two years if they weren't at home. What age? Because I mean, that is concerning. And I mean, I've got lots to say about masks, definitely in terms of personal connection, um, confidence as well. Mm -hmm. I'd love you to, to comment if you've seen any any changes in confidence. But of course, for me as well, the health implications of breathing in those masks and mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. um, but just from from your observations, what about the social si skills side of things? Yeah, so definitely also seeing that in families, like I'm working with a family that have got three kids and the eldest is six and the middle child is three and the youngest is about eight months now. And the mum has actually commented that the personalities in the children and their social skills is completely different. The eldest at six that she uh, was, you know, she was a bit older during the lockdowns is still her bubbly are going south really confident and then the middle child of a three-year-old that was born kind of during the lockdowns he's completely different and he's very shy he's less confident to walk into spaces he's got that attachment to his mum when leaving kindy so yeah and I'm seeing other kids that attachment is massive um yeah I'm attachment to the parents are you meaning yeah like when they're dropping them off at school or at kindergarten yeah that um that real the grief, I think, and the shock and the child not, you know, the fear of being away from their parent as well because of the lockdowns, they they were used to that. And so that's affecting, I think, the way that they are able to be back in those social spaces. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I really can't imagine and my heart goes out to those parents that had to juggle trying to teach the home, you know, homeschooling or doing doing the online learning while entertaining young ones i mean like kudos to them during that time but also for the kids because you know normally we take the kids out and about we would take them to the park and they would see other people smiling at them and they would have that interaction um it is concerning you know what what can parents do if they are concerned i mean how can they yeah what can they do if they're concerned about their child's uh, social development yeah, social skills yeah, yeah. any uh, well, what they could do is they could either reach out to specialists or they could, um, depending, are you meaning on an individual level or what What can you do? Yeah, I guess the two questions really. So reach out to a specialist. So if, by the way, if you're listening to this and you are a speech language therapist, you're welcome to get in touch and we can connect people. If you're listening to this and you've, you're worried about your kids or, I mean, I'd love to hear what people are experiencing, you know, are you seeing the same thing? Are you seeing that pronunciation, articulation is not 
where it should be. Um, so whether you're a teacher or your parent, get in touch, inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear. Um, so I guess my question, Emma, is what can people do if they're a parent to kind of help their kids mm. not fast track, but really kind of upskill in terms of those things, uh, pronunciation, articulation, but also confidence and connection. And then I guess the other thing is, yeah, they could reach out to a professional. What can they do at home? Yeah, what they can do at home is I think really quality time and presence with their child, like even 10 minutes a day, just to sit down and have a conversation or have it read a book with your child and let that interaction be um, like turn taking. They can let that be an engaging conversation for the child and to build that builds the trust, the confidence in the child. And yeah, I think the most important thing is for the child to be heard. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice to, yeah, take that time out and really make your child feel seen and heard and yeah, loved. That is so important. I mean, even I, I barely ever wore a mask, but when I did, I did feel like it, I felt shut down. I felt, and it, I felt like constricted and limited, not only in breathing, but also in behaviors. I cannot imagine being a child sitting at a desk with a teacher who has a mask so I can only see their eyes. And I just, I honestly cannot even imagine it. So I really feel for those kids. Um, thanks for sharing that. You know, a lot of us, you know, my kids are older. It was a little, it was different for us. And I really, really feel for those young families. Um, any final comments before we wrap up? Oh, yeah, it's just been a lot for everyone. I think that the most important thing is that, yeah, the, we're just looking after each other and our children and, yeah, really validating how they feel during this time because it's been a lot for all of us adults, but let alone the children that just haven't, um, yeah, they haven't chosen this. They haven't chosen to be in this world at this time. So, yeah, to look after each other. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emma. Oh, thank you. So great to hear from some locals and how they are navigating their own journey around grief and loss and also some observations around children and how they're coping uh, post lockdowns and everything else. We would love to hear from you. We're going to go to a break in a minute, but we would love to hear from you around how you're going in your community. If you do email in, be sure to let us know the city or town that you're emailing from and just sharing some of your experiences or asking questions. That's what this is all about. I've been dreaming Friendly faces I've got so much time to kill Just imagine
This is Up Your Brave on Reality Check Radio, Fridays, 10 a.m. Some lovely music to lift the mood, uh, especially when we're talking about, you know, some heavy topics today. We're talking about navigating grief and loss and coming out stronger. And I'm so excited to bring you my next uh, guest or my first interview guest for this session here. Uh, We're talking to Lance Burdett. Now, Lance and I have known each other for a couple of years. We're both in the Speakers Association, but we hadn't really met um, <laughs> until until recently when he spoke at an event, and I knew that he was someone that I just really wanted to get on to share with, with everybody, especially around this topic, because he's got such a vast experience in helping people from very dark times, and he shares a little bit about his own dark times as well, and um, really sharing some actionable tips and strategies that people can implement and help empower themselves as well as others, which is what we're all about here on Up Your Brave. I'm so excited to introduce, here he is, Lance Burdett. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. I'm so thrilled to bring you my guest today. He is a Kiwi. He is so experienced in terms of today's topic, which is navigating grief and loss and coming out stronger. Lance Burdett is a speaker and a multi-award-winning author, advanced communications specialist, coping skills for better resilience, suicide intervention expert, psychology of safety practitioner, and of course, a proud father and grandfather. Welcome to the show, Lance. It's my pleasure to be here, and thanks so much for the opportunity to have us talk with you. It's, it sounds uh, like an amazing thing that you're doing for the world. Well, you know, it, we're bringing, we're just basically shining the light and getting some voices out to the people. I know your voice is in hot demand. I know that you are extremely busy, and um, because what you're saying is so pertinent to people, whatever the field that they're in of of expertise, or whether they're a student at school, um, or a parent or whatever. So I'm just excited really to share some of your wisdom and insights um, with our audience today, just to help people basically navigate these times that we're in. Um, So I wanted to ask you a little bit first about the title that you're known for a little bit, you've got a few titles, the dark side (laughs) of the brain guy. What's that about? Yeah, I wrote a book uh, called Dark Side of the Brain, and it focuses on, the the main focus is suicide, but it talks about grief a lot in there. And it talks about, so I work in the area of neuroscience rather than psychology. Uh, And if you do psychology these days, you have to have a component of that on neuroscience. So how the brain gathers, stores, and retrieves information. And understanding that is basically who we are. So I wrote a book, which was going to be a funny book on, um, I'll say the title that it was going to be, and I'll spell it out, our bull, S-H-I-T, brain. And I wanted it to be a funny thing because, you know, inside our head, it makes stuff up. We've got this little person sitting inside us, you know, about half our age, and that voice just chatters away, chatters away. And I wanted to talk about that. And and so I was in at some point in my life, suicidal as New Zealand's lead suicide negotiator and crisis negotiator. And I, it was going to be funny. And then we lost our beautiful niece 
to suicide. Mm. And it stopped me in my dead in my tracks. And I was sort of halfway through the book and I went, no, uh, you do this for a living. Uh, I feel like I've got quite a bit of experience there from both a personal perspective, but also I worked for the coroner and the police and, and, and investigated suicide. So I thought could bring something together. So that's what the book focuses on. And it's more around than resilience it's about coping skills to support resilience as you said so I'm, I'm a person who believes in applied techniques if you do this this will happen um, you've got to do practical things because the brain's a practical thing essentially and so are humans and so that's how that title came about mm-hmm. and I reserved that um, in fact I've got it reserved as a, as a website and a, a profile um, for when I stopped working um but as, you, happening as you know natalie that never happens you just want to keep working and so i was supposed to uh get to a point where i pulled back from work i mean i'm 65 now i got my gold card the other day yay uh however i can't see me stopping for at least another five years well i mean we're glad to hear that because it's sadly a lot of people do need your help and help of so many people um i'd love to throw something practical at you straight away. Um, something that a lot of people have experienced in their lives um, and, and a lot of people lately, you know, with all of the things that we've been experiencing with the floods, but also financial stress, um, panic attacks. Do you have mm-hmm. a specific, I haven't experienced it, but I've been around people who have, do you have a specific technique um, that you recommend for the, let's say the bystander or for the actual person experience? Yes. yes. I'm glad you asked. Look, that is the foundation of who we are. And you, I mean, we could make this a very short interview. You've nailed it. Uh, it's about breathing out. Um, when we go into a panic attack, we breathe in too much and we hyperventilate, right? So um, what the brain is wired to do is when we uh, are feeling overwhelmed or when something comes at us, you know, the fight or flight, or you've heard of all that stuff. And that's the, that's the center of who we are. Now, what happens, the brain is wired to take a big, deep breath, which produces oxygen and, you know, goes through the brain. And we stay in that hyper state. We get adrenaline released. That's not that. That's just for energy. It's the cortisol that comes with it. So all that happens in an instant. And when people um, have a panic attack, essentially they're breathing in too much and they've got too much cortisol. So if you and the listeners, while we're talking, were to breathe out as slowly as you can and keep breathing out. And when you think you've breathed out to the very end, breathe out some more the chances are you'll be calm, right? So that's the first thing that I want people to understand and realize is that when we breathe out, our heart rate goes down. When we breathe in, our heart rate goes up. And that essentially is what doctors are are checking when they do your blood pressure and they're they're checking for the pulse, but they're also checking for the, is the pulse, does it change? And that's got to do with the vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S. That's the first thing I want you to think about is to breathe out when something happens. Now, if we continue with that whole thought process, another simple technique is to take a very big, deep breath and sigh out as hard as you can. So I'll get you to do it and I'll do it with you. Take a big, deep breath, go and sigh out as hard as you can. And now try to think of something immediately. Yeah, I'm kind of daisy. Nothing there. It's stopped. So that's like a reset for the brain. And the only other breathing technique I ever talk about is how to regulate your breathing, which regulates your thoughts and put you into the alpha zone, which essentially is six seconds in, six seconds out. And if you keep just breathing in and out, 
I met uh, somebody from uh, St. John, an ambulance officer recently. He was at a presentation I did. He came up to me um, a few weeks later and said, and stopped me in the street. Um, I didn't realize who he was. And he said he introduced himself and he said, we don't put people, I don't put people on oxygen anymore when they have panic attacks on the side of the road after having an accident. He said, I just sit there with my watch and get them to breathe in and out to six seconds. And he said, within two or three breaths, they, they, they can't believe what's just happened. And so those are the three breathing techniques. All we have to know, the first one is how to put ourselves into freeze, which is breathe out slowly. The second one is to sigh if you want to, just like IT people tell you, if you want to switch it off and back on again, we just it just clears your heads of all thoughts. And the last one puts you into the alpha zone where your thoughts stop. So you're still aware and that one, in fact, is what we use to get people to put them to sleep. But I use that last technique, the six-second technique, for when people call me who are suicidal. Um, and I do get them on occasion. I try to um, not to get into that these days because um, there's a lot of work. And, you know, it's an hour or two hours or three hours, and you can't leave the person. But on occasion, I have no choice. So I will sit the person down where they are, and we'll get them just to do that. And look, I'm no longer surprised at how many people say what happened i'm not thinking um that voice has gone away that voice that's telling me to do awful things has disappeared and it is around if you control your breathing it controls your thoughts you know we were once told that think of something positive when you're going through something hard well good luck with that uh, you've got to control the breathing first because the breathing takes you to your prefrontal cortex where logic sits You've got to come out of the limbic system and into the prefrontal cortex first, and then we can do whatever it is we're going to do. Uh, number one, I wanted to thank you because very practical, like you mentioned, but the the story of the paramedic, not he's got the oxygen mask, but he doesn't need it. What what that does, it empowers every single person that just heard that, that technique with the six seconds. Most people wear a watch. I actually don't, but um, we've got a phone. We can time six seconds. And if we can, if we have that skill to just be able to sit with someone, whether it's an accident or they witness something where they're just really something's happened, we can, we can do that. It's so simple. Thank you. The second one, the reset, the sighing out again, simple and the breathing one, because most people, if someone is having a panic attack would say, they would say, breathe, probably they would say, just breathe, mm. just breathe. But they might breathe the wrong direction. Is that right? They might try that's to breathe a, more air yeah, in. Yeah, that's the year. That, that's exactly right. So we we say to people, look, look, just take a just take a breath, just take a deep breath. Well, all you're doing is putting fuel on the fire. Yeah. Um, all you've got to say to somebody is breathe out. Now, the reason why we used to do the the paper bag, you remember those days, right? So, oh, they're hyperventilating. Put them. They're going to breathe in carbon dioxide. Really. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to breathe in? You've got to get rid of carbon dioxide. So it's just about reducing the inward and increasing the outward. And it's that, really that simple. That's good. Thank you so much. For, I just put you on the spot there, but obviously you, you've talked <laughs> no, about it before. That's great. Yeah. No, look, I, look I, I, I'm one of those people that uh, I left school with no qualifications. And um, it, when I got to police college, believe it or not, somebody showed me how to learn. And said, look, you're clever, but you're failing. You've got a high IQ. Well, a high IQ doesn't mean clever. It means that you've got a, the ability to learn. And when I was shown a new way of learning, I haven't stopped. And I'm looking above where I'm talking to you right now. It's just full of books of research and, and you know, academic material that I take and turn 
around into practical techniques that we can use in our presentations and, and workshops. And so, um, yeah, I'm a pracademic, I guess, but I love doing practical things with things, but I've researched research like you wouldn't believe. No, I know you have. And um, I think that's the thing. Someone like you that has this love of learning, if you can then pass it on to people like us sitting in the audience, wanting to equip ourselves to handle whatever life's throwing at us. Um, we're going to go in a little bit more into grief and loss. Um, mm. But I know you've spent, what is it, 22 years in the police and you were the lead crisis negotiator. What, I mean, I'm sure you saw lots of scenarios. What other guidance or or strategies or tips can you pass on to the listeners around Helping someone who's in strife, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of yeah. people had to evacuate with the floods. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to actually on this show, you know, I'm going to share some, some stories from some real people who live through that stuff. You know, I lived through the, the double Christchurch earthquakes and everything. What are, what are some tips that you've got for people to support others? The biggest tip I can give everybody is the number one thing is help people help themselves. Um. <clears throat> When we when we feel overwhelmed and, and going through grief, <clears throat> we um sorry, I'm going to stop here. <clears throat> sorry. When we go through uh, grief like we are, uh, that we all go through from time to time, um, we do get into this this whole panic state, and we we're trying to figure things out, and we feel like there's no hope. Uh, and so, if we can help people help themselves, it gives them hope that they can control. And that's the biggest, I guess, um, mainstay of our business these days is helping people help themselves and then to help others. Like Ian New Zealand says, put your mask on first, your own mask on first. And, and so empowering people. So whether it's somebody really angry, well, we just give them their emotion back to them and let them work through it. We reflect back what they've said. We might do something to get them. It's their emotion. Put it back on them. Uh, it's their problem. Don't fix it. Uh, there's a great video called Nail in the Head on YouTube. And I play that, you know, where this lady's got a nail in her head. And he's saying, I think if you just pull it out. And she's saying it's not about the nail. And that's just the point. We have to move at people's pace. And each of us moves at a different speed and a different pace. Each of us is so different because of our... Um, as we go through life, our experiences, that's what makes us all different, our experiences. And um, so each of us is different. So I come up with as many techniques as I can for people, uh, not to get them to use them all, to find the one that works for them, right? So um, that's the idea of this. Help people help themselves, move at their pace, and just take time to listen. What if you're dealing with somebody who is struggling and going through grief, and then and you know we can talk right down into if you want to into the suicide, um, which comes up when people are facing grief. At some point, you'll think, is it worth carrying on? Mm. And, and no one else talks about that. I do because it's a, a natural thing. You know, I I remember doing a presentation with an organisation who lost somebody on their site on their website from a heart attack. And I said, how many of you in the room thought, well, how selfish of that person for doing it on site? And nearly two thirds of the hands went up. I said, come on, let's let's be real about this. And these thoughts, and we, we beat ourselves up about these random negative thoughts. It's just the brain going through this whole process. And, you know, the grief cycle is it's not a cycle. It's a mashup of, it looks like those things those, that you scrub your pots with. <laughs> There's no clear, you know, if you can imagine that whole wire wool stuff, we'll try following those links. 
you know, for one minute you're up, the next minute you're down. And, you know, some people go down a, a hole. Some people are laughing. You know, I've, I've seen people delivered bad news and to them and they've laughed. And you think, what the? But it's just the way that each of us processes information. And so don't fix people. Help them help themselves. Take your time with them. You know, a simple technique, when you're talking with somebody who's struggling, face the same direction. Don't look at them. The last thing they want is for you to stare at them and go, so what's going on? I mean, don't do that. Your, our best conversations are when we're driving a car, walking along the road with a friend, um, sitting at a park bench. You think about the conversations you've had. They are always those watching TV. That's where conversations happen when you're not looking at each other, right? So this is, this is the, you know, you've got to look at me. No, <laughs> it really is the, a, a classic, easy, another one of those practical things you can do. Um, just sit with them. You don't have to fix people either. Just listen, listen, listen. That's right, because it's not interrogation. Um, and a lot of uh, people, but especially younger people, I imagine, they do a lot of their communicating via um quick videos or just, you know, the Snapchat photo or messages to each other. I know people in my world, you know, I'm often voice messaging people. So it's not phoning them and leaving a voice message. I'm just talking about, I'll do a voice message like I did for you on LinkedIn <laughs> or Facebook. So what, any comments on that in terms of the different ways that people communicate? It's not always in the same room. They might not always live in the same city. And that's it. And so, I mean, we all know that face-to-face -face, uh, conversations is what we're wired to do, right? So it's been since the beginning of time, we've all talked face-to-face. -face. And so we're talking about thousands of years of, of talking face-on. Then we got technology. Telephones came along. That's where technology started. And so we were able to talk on the phone. But while we're talking on the phone, we're imagining what the other person looks like. If we get an e email from somebody that we know, we're, we're reading it in their voice. That's the way. So that's where that foundation comes from. Um, but yes, all of these ways now, the, the brain has changed incredibly in the last 20 years. The brain has changed. Uh, so I, in my, for my master's, I, I've got a master's in terrorism, not tourism, terrorism. Um, I studied radicalization and I wanted to know, well, firstly, um, why is it that people could become so disconnected from the world to change their brain that they wanted to kill others and it turns out that um in those days you had to radicalization started with alienation isolation not feeling connected with others right and that, that's still the same today we don't feel connected with anything we all have to be connected in some way to each other and when you feel disconnected you look for other people of a like mind that's how gangs are formed, essentially, right? And so um, we, we we gravitate towards people we like rather than people we don't like. But that makes makes sense because there's no risk with people we like. And and with that, um, we've had now these fractions that have all appeared everywhere else, you know, in, in the world because we're now associating with like-minded people. But in, in in doing that that whole stuff. In those days, say 20 years ago, we had to still meet with a person. And, in, and for, for radicalization, if we're talking about the early times, it was in universities, uh, in gymnasiums, and in churches and mosques. Now, people can become fully radicalized by just watching videos. And this is a phenomenon that researchers and scientists are 
grappling with. Now we understand more of the brain through brain imaging, through neuroscience. We now have an understanding that the brain neurologically is changing and we're born curious. And so our curiosity is born about these new ways of connecting. For my generation of a baby boomer, we still like face-to-face and phone is preferable. Text messages, you, we might be okay with that. But, but you know, when you sent me, you were the first person ever on LinkedIn to ever send me a voice message. And uh, it took me a while to work out how to use it. <laughs> were you able to listen to and, it? And then I thought, how cool I did a combination. I did, a com- I did some you text did. and I did a voice. <laughs> you did. And, but and what a cool way of doing it. What a crazy cool thing to do, right? And so uh, with, the, with the business that we've got now, um, you know, just yesterday we're having a conversation. Uh, my daughter works for me. She does all, Haley. she does all our marketing and, uh, and she does our um, all of our posts these days because I'm just too busy. And she said, can you do some short videos for us? Just when, you know, at the airport, just thinking about things. I said, really? I don't want to get into that. And she said, well, do you want to be left behind? <laughs> do you want more people to come and listen to the messages? Yes. Well, then you just need to, do it differently and if you can bring a range of those things and yeah that's the key right so bring a range of those so when we when I talk with somebody I always send them some information as well and on that information sheet is words then there's links that go to videos there's links that go to uh perhaps a a video that we've done a professional one and then it might be one that I did during lockdown of me on Facebook mm-hmm. I, I did them on there and I think on one the camera falls over and it's just great I'm so embarrassed, but just leave it there because people can see how these things happen. And so if you can cover all of the mediums, the way all of us communicate differently now, we're all, I don't think we've ever been, well, we were all different, but people wanted us in boxes. And now I think people are more open to us not being in boxes and people are more open to us being ourselves, I think. Yeah, I mean, you make so many great points there, especially about um, the the rate of consumption. So now sometimes it's not a conversation that people are having; it's people mm-hmm. are consuming knowledge, and sometimes that is a good thing and not a be- not a good thing. Watching videos um, or watching things on TikTok, um, but you know, people do they so they consume them in different ways. And similarly, I feel, at least from my experience as a mother of three, and I've got you know two teens and a tween at the moment. Um, is they express their emotions differently as all people do. So some people, you know, might, you know, my daughter, she would write a letter and she would like slip it under our, our door. Right. So where's the, you know, oh, so different and different And the other t- for my son, it would be more of definitely the conversation in his room, but the lights are off. Cause I'm saying goodnight to him. And that's when we talk, but again, yeah. it's not confrontational because the lights are off. We're not eyeball to eyeball or anything. And um, so these different giving, I guess my, my message here is, Am I correct to say that if we give people who are going through grief and loss or just life in general, different opportunities to communicate instead of expecting them to communicate in the way that we prefer, which might be me talking, but no, someone else might just want to leave me a voice message. They don't want to have a big conversation and someone else might want to write a letter or an email. And look, and that's the key. Counseling has always been done face-to-face. And I say, why? Um, you, seeing body language is great. Uh, however, if you really want to engage with people, 
um, one, I, I run a, I won't name the organization, but it's a, it's a, a very great reputable organization I work with. And I'm very lucky to be there who deal with um, lots of grief uh, with things that happen to people. And, and I run a pre, I run sessions for them on coping skills. And one of the things I say to them, I do it online. So we're not face to face. And I say, do not turn your cameras on. I don't want to see who you are. Mm. And it's sort of, I make a bit of a joke about it. And I say, look, if you want to have your cameras on, please do. But otherwise, have them off. And I'm comfortable with that. And the majority of the audience don't have their cameras on. And then at some point, I go around and I call out each person's name, get them to introduce themselves and ask a question if you have one. And I can tell you, that in that session, I get goosebumps on the back of my neck. The questions that are asked are never asked face-to-face. They're never asked in any of the workshops. And they're normally only asked with with one-on-one when the person's on a telephone because they know they can't, that I can't see them. So they feel more confident and comfortable. And even though it's a group session, everyone's got their camera off. And they probably know who each other are because they their names are there. We we ask them for their first, you know, their first name. I call them out by first name. Um, but it's much easier to talk with people in this deep, deep dark stuff. I mean, look at the confession in, in Catholicism. Where's that done? You know, it's look at prayer. Where's that done? You know, there's no one in front of you, sort of thing. This is a this is this is human behavior, I think. Um, and there's many other examples of being able to talk and share yourself, you know, writing down notes and shoving under the door. It's just brilliant shoving under the door. And that was actually used recently here in New Zealand with a with a somebody who was barricaded in a room and it wouldn't answer anything, but mm-hmm. would answer to a note slipped under the door. But you see, you've just said two examples there of where people aren't actually seeing you. And it's that um, fear Fear holds us back, fear of disclosing too much, fear of being different, fear of, fear of, fear of. And we can, if we can remove that fear, that opens up everything. So I show my vulnerability a lot in the presentations and sometimes perhaps too much. I get to about the third one, I go, hey, just enough war stories, fella. Um, <laughs> inside my head, right? Yeah, people aren't here for you, they're here for them. But what it does, it helps people realize that, you know, even me, so I've just recently had a loss, a loss of a car. I was caught in the floods, um, the very first floods that that hit New Zealand recently. And I came back from Northland from a gig up there. And um, I had to be rescued by fire service coming around the corner. The, the road was flooded straight into it. It wasn't going too fast. I, it was just the water was there. It was around a blind corner. Mm-hmm. And the car died and I panicked and I had, really did panic. And um, and I do this for a living and I've always been a first responder, 22 years. Most of my work's frontline policing, right? So I'm turning up at events, but I've never been the victim. Mm-hmm. I've never been the person being rescued. And I couldn't connect my phone. To, and that was the worst thing, right? And I managed to, calling 111 and I tried one. I tried my wife. Yay, I got my wife. Can you call 111? I can't get through. And she says, Not really. Because <laughs> I don't know where you are. And so um I was panicking. And then I just went, What do you do for a living, Lance? You know, it's, it's dark of night, the rain is pelting down. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, the Google took me down the back roads because apparently that road was open. Oh dear Google. 
Um, and uh, so just, and the water's coming in the door and up, and it's up to my seat. Uh, and it's high outside the window, and I couldn't open the door. Oh, just, and I just sat there and went, breathe out. Mm-hmm. And I just went, and I looked at my phone and, and the Bluetooth's on, and it's trying to connect to a car that's dead. Disconnect Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Hello, there's his phone. And from then on, now this is what I want people to think about when they've had a challenge like that. You must talk about it. You've got six hours to do so. What the neuroscience is showing is that after six hours, our brain starts to consolidate the memory. And so what I did in this occasion was um, the fire service came along and it was actually the volunteers that that came out. It was fantastic. Shout out to the Wellsford <laughs> fire. I walk with us so far. And they they took me to Wellsford to a, a you know a, a refuge center and I was given a new set of clothes, the dry clothes, and um, the lady behind the counter, Whoa, would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> and I said, yes, I've just lost my car. Mm-hmm. I've just been rescued. And that was the start of the repair. I told somebody, oh, wow, she said. And then somebody else started coming up and saying, you know, we've had to leave our house. We don't know. We've got our pet. And so we started talking about things and then had a bit of a chat. Right, let's go to bed. Now, that night I had panic attacks. And we all have this when we go through grief. We, we try to get to sleep. We can't, because if you've got something on your mind, your brain's going to keep you awake. And having these waves of panic, why didn't you listen to what your wife and daughter said to stay up there? Because you thought you knew better, you know, and all of these, this, this whole brain, you know, it goes through that whole negative self-talk of you're an idiot, you know, you need to listen, you should have, and, and regret. And it all happens in, a, you know, in a two second. So don't push away on that. There's a book being written by Judson Brewer called Unwinding Anxiety. It's fantastic. He talks about a technique called RAIN. Get curious with those thoughts. Um, get curious with those. You know, why are you here? Well, I kind of knew why they were there. So all I did, though, was sit with it for a moment and let those waves of panic. And, yeah, come on, brain, go for it. And it beat, it beat me up <laughs> inside. And then at some point, I just went, enough. And I just went into the six second while I didn't have a my phone or anything, I just breathed out as slow as I could and slowed my breathing down. And believe it or not, I fell asleep despite the snoring all around me. <laughs> there was a hundred other people in that room and they all snored at Zip Lance. And then I woke up again with the rain pelting down still on the roof. And then uh, here comes the next wave and I just let through it, let through it. And that night, I the next day I woke up and had another chat, a little bit to eat, right now it's time to start, Lance. Hitchhike home. So I got changed out of those clothes. I would give them back into the wet clothes. Thank you very much. Um, I'll be coming back up here. And I've, I owe them uh, a free presentation for the community up in, in Wellsford and Walkworth. And I will do it. Um, and started hitchhiking home and managed to get home uh, through wonderful people. And thanks again to the fire service who managed to get me through the closed road. Uh, and, and, and on the phone, state you know to insurance companies all of this sort of stuff so doing practical things from then on and when the wave would hit again just but i spoke to my wife about it i was able to write when i was doing my application so each time i was opening up more of my memory and releasing the emotion and that's the key it's the emotion that holds the memory in place 
people are afraid to let that emotion out for fear of losing the memory of the person they've lost. That doesn't happen because all it does is reduce the negative impact. It's the emotion that holds the negative impact um, into the memory. And once you release it out, more of the memory comes out. This is the key to it, right? And so you talk with somebody what happened, how you felt at the time, and how you feel now. That's the key. Then if you are in a situation where you do need uh, some more help, this is what you, <clears throat> or you can actually do this with yourself, believe it or not. So once you've talked about it for the first time, reflect on what happened to you and what, you know, those the, the loss. You know, you've got to you've got to do the grief and the shouting and all that. So then what we do is you say you have to talk about what happened again. So with the loss, you think about what happened again. Then we talk about asking people, what did you do well? And that's when it's time to start focusing on the memory of the good things that you had, the good times you had, so that it brings up the memory of the good because you've already thought and talked about the other. And then if you had your chance again with that person, what would you do differently? It's just a kind of cool way of dealing with it, right? And so it's a new way of thinking about events and and, and grief. Now, when you that time is right for you, it differs. There's no, you can't put a time frame on it. That loss will always be there, but it does reduce with time. Um, but the memory will always remain. What I've noticed with, with loss that I've had um, recently with my mum and father both passing uh, is that I now only remember the good times. And I don't remember the, you know, the, 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 seeing my mum die in hospital and, and my dad as well. I don't those things aren't there because I've talked about it a lot and that the memories now that come back are just of lovely times. You mentioned something about the six hours, which I hadn't heard of before. Yeah. So why is six hours such a critical time to, I think you said, basically releasing those emotions. So talking about things, yeah. why six hours? Um, I'd have to go back. So I, uh, you, as you, you know, I'm writing a book on anxiety and I read it in research mm. Uh, so I can't give you the reference for it because um, I'd have to go back through. Because once you, as, as you're writing a book, I, I, it's, all I've done at the moment is all of the research and put that into the book. And then I bring in all the, the ancillary stuff and all the personal stories and, you know, and build up this whole. But it's definitely there and it makes sense. The memory starts to consolidate itself after uh, at six hours. Now, when you think about this, so I thought and reflected six hours, really? So prior to um, about 12 months ago, I had a serious accident where I tore my shoulder badly and I had to have surgery. And I was having, um, if I'd carried on, I would have ended up with PTSD about the accident I had uh, because PTSD, is, you cannot get rid of that continual churning of the actual incident itself. Right. So that's the way I dealt with it. And I tried to push it away. And then, of course, I read the book by Jackson, Judson Bruin and this whole new way of, and I thought about it, well, here's a new way of doing it. Now, I still reflect back on the accident I had and the regrets I have in that, but not about the car. Now, yes, one's me and one's a car, but they are still two significant events in my life. I mean, the, the, the car incident with the flood is worse for me uh, and being rescued and all that sort of stuff. And it was not life and death. I don't want to over-dramatize it, but for me at the time it was. 
the sore arm, it was just, oh, damn it. Mm. I'm going to have to wear a sling for a while. Painful and inconvenient. And painful. You're just going to, yeah, it's just going to get in the way of my gig. <laughs> and so that's the way it works. Now, it makes sense. If you go to bed and continually think about something, the brain keeps you awake because it needs to, if you've got anything on your mind, it's going to keep you awake. And it wants to process, right? It wants to defrag and defrag and defrag. And, and how many times after a, a, a loss do we struggle to get sleep? Well, it's because we haven't talked about things enough. It's because we haven't shared enough. It's because we haven't cried enough. It's because we haven't sworn enough. It's because we haven't stamped our feet and said, this is not right. That's what we need to do more of. Hmm. Don't hold it in. You know, it's 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 an emotion. If you let hold emotions in, and and I mean, I could link it back to my depression. I held emotions in. I was scared of some of the stuff I had to do. I was horrified at some of the stuff I saw. I wasn't talking about it, and that's the start of it. And then it just you know, you don't not sleeping and all that. So the every piece of so Judson, um, not Judson Brewer, um, Doctor Daniel Armin wrote a book called uh, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. The second half of it is, is it gets into a bit too much detail of all sorts of other things he's working with the first part was a, a huge insight for me and and it's been proven now every piece of information that comes into our head is tagged with an emotion first so that's forming the memory as the emotion right so when you join the dots well if the emotion says it's risk and here's your marker and your memory forever the only way to reduce that marker is to reduce the memory because that's what's holding it there the emotion the emotion reduces the negative memory. So that's, that's it's interesting. A little analogy right. came to mind for me. Uh, you know, and when as speakers, right, we often tell stories, and everyone's seen lots of movies. And in movies, there's always like the victim, the hero, the mentor. But even when you were explaining about, you know, allowing people to talk about how hard it was for them, like just acknowledge the pain and then move on to, well, what did you do? Well, well, that would be the hero part. And then like, what did you learn? Or what would you tell your, you know, that's the mentor. So I just thought if that helps people to remember, you know, don't stay in the victim mode, but you need to let yourself be in victim mode, at least you, to acknowledge oh, how absolutely. horrible it was. I right. couldn't agree more, Natalie, you've got to be in the victim mode, you know, well, look at that last example. So, um, they pulled up alongside me fire service. They actually, one of the guys was using his own truck because um, he could get there quicker than the the, the, the engine could, mm-hmm. um, and or the appliance, like they call them. So he turned up and said, "Get on the back." And I looked up and said, "No, I'm not leaving my property." Um, what? And so, you know, he's so I I guess I let myself be the victim, and I felt quite good, felt empowering to say no. I'm not leaving this stuff here. And I quickly was able to, you know, you'll wait for me. I was able to be that little victim for a while and say, you know, I found my watch in the water. I didn't find my wedding ring, which is, and some some person stole it while it was on the car was before it could get towed the next day. Someone broke into the car and stole everything I left, including my wedding ring. You know, well, good luck to you. Um, You know, it's coming for you. Um, I hope you get, anyway, let's not go there, Lance. Um, and so I was that victim, right? And then when yeah. I went to the shelter, I was that victim. Mm-hmm. And I I kept thinking to myself, but Lance, look what you do for a job. You should be able to go. And I went, no, I just, in the moment, it was the right thing to do to, and people loved, you know, hearing my story. Somebody, as soon as they saw, you know, heard my story and saw that I was in wet clothes, comes out and says, here you go. 
put these on, you know, a pair of track pants I'd never wear again in my life. But what a beautiful gift to give me. And, I think allowing people, to, allowing people to be the victim You've and then helping them, empowering them, I should say, help to, them help themselves. to navigate themselves. That's why we chose the word navigate for this, right? Navigating yep. through grief and loss. And the, and the, the next part of this topic is, and coming out stronger. And yeah. it's like, look at you. I mean, now you've, I mean, you've walked the talk a few times in your own career, but now you've got, of course, more stories up your sleeve or your sling. Um, to, <laughs> and, and really you had that level of empathy with the, the, your, you know, and bonding kind of with the, the connection with the people who went through their own challenge on that same flooded night this is this is the key now there's a couple of things here what doesn't kill us make us stronger is not necessarily the case right so i, I do a lot of work with people uh, cancer going through cancer treatment uh, for a beautiful mm. organization can i mention them look good feel better look good yeah. feel better they're a wonderful so what they do is when you're going through chemo whatever losing hair they're able to you know make up for both men and women and teenagers as well of how to you know look good and so they provide uh, complimentary makeup and all sorts of things for people are wonderful and so um we're talking about this whole getting through th these horrible things in life um and oftentimes the question comes up this is my second treatment why do i feel worse and so that's where this comes from it doesn't necessarily make you stronger because we now know what we've got to go through again um i always feel um, a, a risk of going into depression again. But what uh, the stronger part is we become wiser. And that's what I want people to remember. It doesn't necessarily what, you know, doesn't kill you, doesn't necessarily make you stronger. It makes you wiser. And so I've had to go through a few things before I've suddenly realized I need to use the tools that I've been teaching people. <laughs> Because you just don't think of it. Doctors, you know, don't think of looking after doing stuff that other. That's why they've got to get another doctor to, to come and look at them. This is the way life is. And so now I've been able to go through those. I've come out stronger. So uh, with the depression, no. I'm I still worry, still concerned. I'm never going there again, I can tell you. But this is so this is the key for us. How do you use those things? Well, you've got to go back. Do you learn from your past? The answer is no, unless you look back. So if you say yes, it's because you've looked back and examined what happened, examined what you learned, and then you remember, you're able to recall that. So most of us have to go through two or three events before we suddenly get a feeling for this. You know, we have one loss, and if the other loss comes very soon, after that first loss, then we're thinking, what this just this is the, the world's bad. It's a bad place. People are just dying everywhere. It's only because it's fresh in your memory. And there again, you're reminded of that last one and you've got this one. And if another one happens, man, we're, you know, we're thinking that the world's falling apart. And isn't life like that? You know, we, we've got a little uh, technique we, we use, applied technique on why does this always happen to me? Well, chances are it doesn't. And we show people how to look at, examine each event. What are the similarities? List all the factors right across. What are the similarities and what's that difference? So the similarities are the things we can change. The differences show us actually that it's not always the same thing that happens to us. There's always differences. And that's, that's again, understanding the way the brain processes information. So you will come out empowered. You know, I always say to people, um, you, you will get through this. Um, you will. I've been down there. I had suicidal ideations. I didn't want to continue. I sat on the deck 
at home uh, and I thought, I can't do this. And I heard my kids playing. I went, you better do something. And sat in that moment and believed, believed in myself. Can I, can I ask you in that, at that time, did you ask for help? Like what was the turning point um, or what, what was the action that you took? Yeah. So I went, I, well, I, did I ask for help? Yeah. I had an ideation firstly. I, I, I looked out the window um, of a multi-story building and my brain said, it's not high enough. You need to go higher. And so at becoming a crisis negotiator, I knew that was an ideation, a thought of suicide. And I went straight for help. I, we, we had a wonderful um, padre who used to come through the police station, a, a, a Anglican minister from church. And I went down and saw him. Mm. I, I phoned him and, and went down and said, this is going on. And so we prayed. Um, we wrote stuff on a piece of paper and burnt it. And we did a whole lot of other stuff. And he was just, a, he just listened. And it was so rewarding just to listen to somebody and just to have that inner peace. And he said, you know, you're going to need some help, some serious help. But, you know, you're on your journey now. And that's the key to this is to reach out, to start that journey. And it doesn't matter who you reach out to. It doesn't matter. You just reach out to the person you feel drawn to. Went to this most wonderful psychologist who, who just, you know, he, he, the two things he did for me, he gave me a diagnosis. That meant I'm not alone. He said, you've got accumulated stress disorder. You've been holding too much in. Mm. And he said, I bet, and I'll just jump in. I bet that is more common than people realize oh, and possibly it's, mainly it's, with males. I, I don't know. Just saying. So it's males of my generation in particular. Mm. Um, we, if we showed emotion thousands of years ago, we were attacked or killed. So we learned to compartmentalize, but even that compartmentalization, compartmentalization has gone now with, with the older generation. So we now realize there's no box we can put stuff in because our brains just got busy. We're disconnected from our prefrontal cortex. Younger people, younger men and young girls, uh, 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 young boys and young girls, their brains are virtually identical. The way they see things process. There's still a legacy of suck it up, sweetheart, for the young, for, for teenage boys at the moment. They, there's still that legacy from the past, but they are learning to deal with that and they, they now need to know. So that's, that's a value there that this new world is showing us. Uh, people are no longer afraid to be who they are. They're no longer afraid to to be vulnerable, right? Um, but it, it, it's it's held back by conventions that have been around way too long. So That's right, take, and yeah, the soldier on thing has has changed. I, I know we've only got you for a few more minutes, so I wanted to ask you. No, we've got long as you want. Okay, great. Many of our audience members <clears throat> will have been through grief and loss in the form of whatever that might be mandates that change things for their life or business or or within their own. Uh, family dynamic, you know, friendships, possible, you know, vaccine pressures or bullying, et cetera. Yep. Um, what, what other just kind of guidance or insights can you share with people around that? Um, I know that we've used a few words today, which I really love. We talked about reflecting, the importance of reflecting to kind of look for the learning, not just moving on. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about releasing emotions. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's there's regret, which is another R that sometimes come in comes in. What guidance do you have for people that are kind of navigating some of those issues at the moment? Regret is, um, quite frankly, is a killer. Uh, guilt and regret. Um, What's done is done now. Um, a few people know this. I've got, I've got a few tattoos <laughs> covered in them. And one of them is it is what it is because it was what it was. It's what you do now that matters. And that's um, on my body so I can remember it because I was one that was filled with the regret. Regret for all sorts. Regret as a child. Regret as an 
teenager, regret, regret, regret. Now, it's think of it this way, that it's a risk management tool designed by the brain to keep us safe. It's designed so that we learn and don't do that again. Um, but the way our brain is is now with it hasn't kept pace because it takes generations to change the brain. It's not just an immediate thing. Uh, and our world has gone through so fast, the brain hasn't kept pace. So we still have these legacies of it's part of a stem, the auto brain. It's just sitting there thinking, I've only got one thing, and that's to keep you alive. So let's keep bringing these negative thoughts back to avoid. That's the way it works. And so when you understand that, it doesn't help you stop it. You must do something about that regret. And one of the things I'd, I'd like to talk about with regret is, so we should look back to our past for a number of things. One, only to good times. Two, to make amends if we can, right? And so if you can, if you have a regret and you can go back and make amends, do so. If making those amends are by hurting somebody else, then don't do it. Yeah, that's the other why, R that we don't like, which is revenge. Why Why should you go and hurt somebody just to make you feel better, right? So revenge, so don't do that. It's how can I make myself a better person so as not to do that again? And by the way, can I actually go a little bit further than that? And I was that person. I was a bully. I was whatever it was. How Can I get in behind and start supporting people who are being bullied and help people who are bullies to not be bullies? So you see how that works? So let's let's not just, let's rebound from that and go even further. And that's how you 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 go back and 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 do that and stop regret. It's about right a place putting a, a line in the sand and saying, it stops now. I've learned. I'm never going to do that again. If I can make amends, I will. Otherwise, I'm going to make it up, either to that person I hurt, or to whatever it was I did that I'm going to bring to an organization. I'm going to learn more about that. I'm going to contribute some money uh, towards that organization because they, you know, support people who have been through what I did to somebody. Do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. It's it's about making up for that. Uh, and the more you do it, uh, altruism is a wonderful thing. You know, we do a lot of, a lot, a lot of um, pro, pro bono work because um, it's just, a you, you feel good. You, you, it makes you feel good and, and people get benefit from it. And, you know, I don't know how the world works, but you seem to, I seem to be rewarded for it. Um, and that's not, well, it's a shift in energy. That's, I mean, that's not what we do. It. It's a shift in energy. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I love it. You know, coming back to your point around um, COVID and vaccinations and things that, that really did splinter the world, you know, mm. each country, it, it, it splintered it. Now, um, it, regardless of where you sit on, 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 on this, um, everybody has a right to their opinion. Everybody has a right to what they've done, but they don't have a right to push those opinions in a forceful way on others. It's just have your peace. And I, I've, I reflected on this. So um, a, a good friend of mine who works in the same business that I do, he works in the, the wellbeing industry, decided very early on he was not going to get vaccinations. He did his due diligence. He looked at the right stuff and said, no, it's not for me. And so I sort of, in a joking way, but he knew I was joking, saying, oh, well, I guess we won't be having coffee for a couple of years then. Um, but he knew that, I mean, I've, we still had coffee. Uh, the thing is that that was his decision, right? And I wasn't there to judge. He'd done all his work. So don't judge people for their decision they've made. Judge them for their actions. Mm. And I think that's the key to this, isn't it? 
um, you know, if their actions are going to hurt and harm others, then that might need to change. We need to stop that. We saw that massively in the protest in Wellington in New Zealand recently, where lots of different groups came together as one. And the one thing was they just didn't want to be told what to do, essentially. And they wanted to fix things. And they just wanted somebody to talk. They wanted to vent. They wanted to do all that. And it didn't go well because it wasn't received well. And if it was received well, and we sat there and listened and talked and, you know, who do you talk to? Well, I'll tell you who you talk to. You just get a group of 20 of them from each of the, the groups were clearly identified. I mean, you know, it's not just a thousand people there. They're all identified within their little clusters and sit down and talk with them and, you know, enable them to walk around with a camera and say, yeah, we've got a camera. Tell people we're, they're going to watch this, um, but not in the way that it was done. And those outliers that were going, you know, those people that were just there for one reason to espouse hate and and fear and that you know those people well we can only perhaps guide them back towards where we want them to be and i think now some people do want to be listened to in terms of the experience or the outfall mm. of that or um or, the, or how their health might have changed as a result but you so the, listening to people is really important <clears> definitely <throat> yeah. um but i think i hear and also making amends some people might want to make amends because they treated people poorly or in a way that they was not was a little bit out of character. I mean, I did see people behave quite differently. So some people might want to make amends, but some people might not. And that's up to them, right? And, and that's that's it, right? And it's at their pace. Yeah. Now, um, having studied radicalization, which I was very fortunate to do, is kind of what's happening. Some people have gone to the extremes and been fully, completely changed. Um, it's a form of radicalization. Not as in radicalization as I want to hurt or harm people, but radicalization and the fact that their their whole um, memory has changed of things. They they've now, and as I've said recently in an interview, was it is it distorted? Well, not to them, it's not. You know, we can't bring in laws that says um, disinformation. Um, as a crime, well, for that person, it's not disinformation because they truly believe it. And there's got to be a mens rea aspect to crime. There's got to be a mental intent. They haven't got a mental intent because they are there. So it's about putting the facts out on the table. One of the things that uh, that makes people laugh in the sessions that I do, uh, the first thing that we read or get told is stuck in our head forever. And so I, the way I show people this is, you know, if, if a dog could speak and say one word, what would that word be? Who's thinking woof? And usually about half the audience start to giggle, right? And I've, I'll just say, what is wrong with you people? I've never heard a dog say woof in my life, but I think woof. <laughs> uh, and if you've got a dog, you're thinking walk or food, the two things you got told when you first got your dog. And the rest of the audience go, oh, <laughs> a dog needs love. You got to remember that one too. You weren't told that, were you? So the first thing that comes, right? And so I remember when COVID came, a, a, a person of repute sent me a video and said look at this and I watched it and it was somebody talking about he knew, knew a lot about neuroscience and was talking about you know COVID and what it actually was and um, it was a conspiracy and you know all, all of that sort of stuff and I watched it now he is using the right language and I was like wow I've got to listen to this guy and this is me right so I knew that he was and hadn't done research I knew I was and then I looked at his credentials and went, oh, <laughs> maybe not. But that that information was showed 
what's viewed so many times and that's what some people were attracted to it and other people dismissed it and that was the start of this whole thing right um the first thing we read is stuck there it's not to say whether what i'm not saying what's right and what's wrong i'm not saying that what i'm saying is that person now believes that particular whether it was to get vaccinated or whether it was not to that's the belief of each group and each group are right and that's probably going to cause a bit of a, a bounce back on me for saying that but understanding where people come from allows us to understand where they are now so when i taken into MIQ facilities um, to help staff support people who are staying in there. They were using techniques to de-escalate that, that weren't working. So where do these people come from? Well, some come from low decile areas, you know, low, you know, poverty areas, uh, haven't had a home all their life. Well, you can't talk to them the way you are because that's not who they are. That's not, some people are never went to school. Well, that's not, you know, gangs, they only know one way and that's violence. So each one has to be spoken to a little bit differently and encouraged a little bit differently because that's where they are from. And that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say here is uh, we can, I hopefully given people tools here to, to help them, but it's not necessarily for us to say what's right and wrong. I never, ever say I start off my de-escalation techniques by saying, I don't want you to use any of these because none of them might work, <laughs> but most of them do. Um, this is the key, right? You use it if you want to, otherwise don't. And thank you for coming. I'm, I think, you I'm know, for me, it is around treating people kind of, I guess, equal, but not the same. I like That's that phrase. It. That's it. That's and it. also, you know, I think the, the goal or, or the challenge or opportunity for, for Kiwis right now for New Zealand is to bring us all back together. But there's been so much division. There's mm. been so much. Well, you don't exactly. You don't know what to believe, do you? I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt now, <laughs> whereas before I would have been <laughs> a lot more open to, to various things. But I think the challenge or invitation and opportunity for us now is coming back together because what we do want and exactly what Up Your Brave is all about is actually connection, courage, confidence and community and if we can create that again which has been kind of ripped to shreds a little bit over the past few years um and especially using some of the techniques you've taught us today around grief and loss which i think everyone has been through some level of grief and loss uh but particularly in the last three years just different different scenarios for people that we're not used to moving on from and allowing people to as you said you know, so I say be the victim, allow them to be the victim, help them move on, empower them to be, be, see the good things that came of it or, and, and what were the lessons learned. And then maybe they can turn around and help someone else. Um, where can people contact you, Lance? As we wrap things up, I'd love to ask, I've got a few questions for you. Where can they contact you? I also have a segment on my show called the bucket list busters. So I'll give you only a few seconds to think about, can you share something that's maybe on your bucket list? If you have one, maybe if you don't, maybe just make one up real quick. Um, and then anything else you want to add. <laughs> make one up real quick. Um, I, I, I don't have a bucket list to start with that. Um, what I want to do, I have a set of goals and, and you've got to have something to get you out of bed in the morning. And I've always got something to get me out of bed in the morning. Uh, I would like to travel a bit more, um, but that's just, just, it doesn't bring me joy anymore like it once did. Um, I think it's about uh, connecting with self, connecting with family. And perhaps I've got 
I'm looking at uh, we're looking at moving and getting a retreat somewhere so I can run some of these programs in a different way Thanks. on a with smaller groups within um, our home. Um, so that's that's my business and that's what's driving me at the moment. Um, I guess people can contact me through our website, WARN International, WARN International, or they just can need to Google my name, Lance Burdett. And, uh, and you can send them a voice message, everybody. But, <laughs> if I can work out how to do that, Natalie, I would. <laughs> yeah, so look, it's um, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. I hope it's been helpful to people. Um, look, if, if, you, if I was to leave one message for people at the end of this, when you're going through grief and loss, is just remember to breathe, right? Don't don't push, don't force, don't listen to others. Listen to yourself. Always go with your heart and not your head. Oh, I love that. That is an amazing way to wrap things up. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you've shared today. You guys, you, you can follow Lance. Are you on Instagram or you're on Facebook? Right? I'm on uh, Instagram. We're on, but under Warn International. Um, I'm on TikTok. Not oh doing goodness. dance. Your daughter's doing a great job. My daughter Haley, she's a legend. Uh, so we're out there on TikTok. I, I don't do Snapchat. I'm sorry, I just don't get that. Have a look at this picture. Oh, it's gone. What's that about? Have a look at this. Oh, oh damn it, I missed it. Just, don't stop. Stop. Don't start me on that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much, uh, yeah. Lance, for coming on the show. So Thank great you. to have you. I love love the chat. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. So much wisdom there from our amazing guest, Lance Burdett. And you can find Lance and more information on him. He's on LinkedIn. But also his business is WARN International, which is actually an acronym. WARN Wellness Awareness Resilience Negotiation. So it's warninternational.com. And I was just checking him out once again on LinkedIn. And he's he's an amazing writer. So go and check out his blog posts. Very uh, vulnerable, but also inspirational in their own way. And one of the things he says here, I'll just grab a quote, is know that there is always someone willing to help. Know that you will work through this challenging time, despite how hard it may seem right now. Know that you will no doubt go on to achieve wonderful things. You now know something that few get to know, that we are all stronger than we think we are. Thank you so much, Lance, for that. And we are going to go to a music break for you. And then we'll be back with our next interview. Like a small boat on the ocean, sending big waves into motion. Like how a single word can make a heart open. can make an explosion and all those things I didn't say were acting balls inside my brain I will scream loud tonight can you hear my voice this time this is my fight song take back my life song prove I'm alright song my powers turn Everybody's worried about me 
This is Up Your Brave on Reality Check Radio, Fridays, 10 a.m. What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different, we can have our own opinions, have our own views, and have those conversations in a respectful way, because respect needs to be given, it needs to be earned, and I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions, can have a platform, and we can work and talk together, and so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought, alternative thought, and I, I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions but you know as I've said before there is no such thing as a wrong opinion opinions are like noses everybody's got one the exchange of views fair debate no cancelling no interrupting no aggressive responses we want to hear what people have to say whatever side you're on and the listener the consumer with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. Welcome back, everybody, to the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. We've got our next guest coming up, Rachel Gillespie. She uh, she had to navigate things a little differently, do the old pivot with the, the mandates and everything in the past few years. She shares some of her own journey um, a little bit around that, but also her own personal journey around grief and loss. And our intention really here is that you can hear a, you know, a real life story and take some lessons from it for yourself 
or hopefully gain some inspiration and some strategies to help yourself to navigate through whatever it is that's um, that's that you're facing at the moment, because we're all facing things in different ways. And we are sending you love here from Reality Check Radio. And I hope you interview, I hope you enjoy this interview with Rachel. Hello, hello, everybody. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here. Welcome back to another, another episode of the Up Your Brave show, which is all about courage, confidence, connections, and community so that you can live in more alignment with who you truly are. And someone that does that so, so well is my good friend, Rachel Gillespie. She's joining us today as our guest as we talk about the topic of navigating grief and loss and coming out the other side stronger. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, thank you for having me on. So, so good. You know, it's been incredible to watch your journey over the many past years. You and I actually met, I remember, I probably would have been about nine years ago when you invited me to speak at an event. The event didn't end up happening, but as a result, our paths crossed. And it's been so exciting to see your journey kind of progress over the years. So uh, what I'll do is I'll just give a little backstory on a little bit about you, and then you can elaborate and we'll dive in from there. So Rachel, everybody, if you don't know Rachel Gillespie, she is a photographer and guide in the magical mountains of the South Island of New Zealand. She takes people out on adventures, teaches photography of the night skies and landscapes and into spectacular glaciers at Auraki, Mount Cook. She actually mentors photographers in business and sells her prints. She, of course, has three amazing children uh, that she's raising on her own. And she's now has the photography bug, bug which she is so excited about. It's so exciting to see your journey. I know you're going to elaborate on that a little bit more. Let's yeah, first absolutely. Talk. Sorry, to, you know, <laughs> just like everybody, you know, we've you've had grief and loss in your life. So I thought the first question I'd love to ask you is: Can you just share an example, something you've navigated through yourself on your own personal journey and come out stronger? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been quite a, a big ten years of my life, and uh, there's probably about six grief and loss I could talk about in there. Um, but the one I'm going to share with you guys today is uh, about the death or passing over of my dad, who was a very uh, close person to me. Uh, it's just coming up nearly five years already. I can't believe how quick the time has passed. Um, and yeah, so that was a, a, a big shock for our family. He wasn't that um, he was only 69 so um, we weren't expecting that so soon and uh, only a couple of years after that my younger brother also passed away so uh, yeah that was a, a big thing for me because I'd never experienced um, anybody close to me passing away until that time. Mm. So obviously for you both of those was a big surprise well what how I don't know if you would say you come out stronger how did you navigate it how did you deal with the emotions the gap in your life that they left yeah so it was really interesting because um basically it left me just me being the only sibling the only child left and my mum so and my children who I'm raising on my own completely um so I kind of had been forced or pushed into being that leadership role in the family whether I wanted it or not at that time um and so you know that's where you look back and go oh wow I'm so grateful for all the journey of personal development and and all the things I know about um, the universe and um, energy and all the things I'm interested in um, because it was something that I could draw on. And, you know, they say in life that you experience things or meet different people like we did and you're not always quite sure what it's for or why you're experiencing it or why you're learning a certain thing. Um, and I can say now at nearly 49 that a lot of those things that I've experienced and, and journeyed through um 
you know, I've had to draw on those and a lot of that uh, training and development and, and things I invested in myself in my early 20s and 30s, which was a big investment back in those days. Um, you know, it's worth every cent because I have actually had to draw on and use a lot of that that uh, work, if you want to call it that, or the, the philosophy that I've created for myself. Um, and I'm a big believer in that everybody's unique in that way. Um, you know, we all have our own unique fingerprint and we also have our own unique way of, um, you know, creating our life's journeys, philosophies, that sort of thing. And, and not one size fits each person. And as, I think as a coach of, um, because I did life coaching and, and I also did mentoring photographers in their business, um, it's really important to actually figure that out for yourself and as early in your life as possible, obviously, is better. But sometimes we have to go through these grief and loss to actually transform ourselves into somebody, um, you know, th that we don't always recognize at the time. Um, and I think there's a, you know, there's definitely a, um, a school of thought out there that we have to go through hard times to grow and develop. But I actually disagree with that. I think that there, yes, those things happen and they can be useful and we can learn from them and, and grow and develop. Um, but you don't necessarily need to have to go through that to, to be able to, you know, be amazing and happy and fulfilled in your life. So I think I actually probably attracted some things into my life because I used to believe that statement that, you know, to grow, you have to go through some trauma or, or whatever, um, which is interesting in itself. And, yeah, I just think, you know, we're redefining in the world right now what our... Um, what our communities are, who we are, what's important to people. And because I have teenagers, um, I have a 15, 14 and 10 year old, nearly 11 year old um, kids. It's just another navigation for them trying to figure out, you know, from my generation being a generation X, it's completely different childhood and, and all the things that they're navigating. And it's, but at the same time, it all comes back to your own personal self-worth. Who, who do you see yourself as? How do you feel about yourself, um, you know, the self-worth? Uh, how do you fit into your community? What is your service to others, even as a teenager? Um, you know, I'll jump, I'll jump in there because you mentioned so mm. many powerful things and concepts. I think, you know, right now more than ever, you know, in the past three years has been massive for so many people. Um, but I, what I'm seeing is so many people becoming curious um, about their yes. purpose in life. You know, what am I here for? how looking at, we're starting to do a little bit more self-reflection. I mean, some of us like you and me in the business space or the personal development, we've been doing this for many, many years, but I think more and more people are starting to get curious and ask questions, not just about the world, but also about themselves and understanding their yeah. role. And also I think something you pointed out is really looking for the life lessons in the challenges rather than kind of going, oh, why did that happen to me? Most people might have heard the phrase, you know, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you, yeah. which is sometimes hard to, to wrap your head around, but it sounds like you've done that really well. I, I think my dad, who was um, an amazing person, he actually taught me so much of that as a child and, and not necessarily um, consciously. He was obviously put here on earth in his way um, as a, you know, a baby boomer person, but so they didn't have a lot of that knowledge that we have been so blessed to have but um, he was just a good human and he had a big heart for people 
he was always helping people. Um, he taught us kids how to survive and look after ourselves, which is something I'm incredibly grateful for because, um, you know, I've been able to raise my kids mostly on my own because I have the skills and the, the, so it's not just about how you think and feel, but it's having skills and abilities to be able to create. And I think this, what I, as a photographer, what I'm starting to see and, and learn more and more as I observe people I'm working with is that every single person, including my children who are very good artists, is that we all have this ability to create something magical in our field of strength, whatever that is. Um, and we're not taught to, to think this way. And so my bit of quest and mission out there is to just you know open people to their own magnificence of their creative genius, because actually that's all every human needs to do. Imagine a world with that where, you know, 90% of people or 80% of people actually lived their creative path and found a way to give service to others with, within that. Um, and what happens is we go, oh, we can't do that because we can't make enough money or whatever. Um, and, you know, that's the whole thing of trusting in the process. Yes, you can. You just have to start. And, you know, one day leads into one week to one month to one year to 10 years. And that's what is interesting about um, creative expression as well as also it comes all back to personal development again of how much self-worth you hold because when you put your creative self out into the world it's very personal and it's one of those scenarios or situations where you have to have the courage or the brave to actually share your creative self and know that 50% of people probably won't like it and the other 50 will probably love it but as a species we tend to focus on the negative ones so I think that's you know we tend to focus on the the terrible comment on the Instagram or whatever whereas you had 50 other your amazing comments and one this sucks um you know and this is something I teach my kids all the time and as well my children actually don't do social media yet thankfully um but you know just learning how to what I call put up your umbrella and let you know, those words go over you, but they don't necessarily have to come into you in the heart space. You don't have to, and you know, take that on. However, sometimes there might be a bit of truth in that. So you could also take that on board and say, hey, what could I learn from that? And I love I that. I is, love that concept of um, putting, yeah. up your, putting up your umbrella. That's so cool. Yeah. So interesting. And, I feel like um, encouraging the message you had there really around people giving themselves permission or having the courage or upping your brave to as I say, stay in the zone of love, like really doing things that light their fire and light them up. And then the, the you know, they will just be more empowered and, and encourage others to do the same. You actually had to up your brave. You had to, as we say, pivot or reimagine your, your own business coming from the business of the industry of tourism. Yes. So how was that for you in terms of your own COVID experience, you know, realizing that you needed to make a shift? Mm. Um, obviously it was a bit of a shock at the, at the time we didn't have a lot of time to prepare for that um, normally in tourism you have a one or two year lead-in process with your client bookings so um, I was doing some pretty amazing stuff in the mountains and uh, living in the middle of nowhere on a farm which was a really challenging time for me and the kids because we were just on our own that whole time of lockdown with nobody else around um, so that was a bit apocalyptic feeling and and you know on an energetic level which I'm a very intuitive 
um, spiritually connected person, I found the whole vibration to be very difficult. Um, so that was quite challenging for me because I had to maintain my professionalism in my business and deal with thousands of dollars worth of refunds every day. Mm. I had to maintain a bit of calm for my children so they weren't, you know, freaking out about what's happened to our life. And, um, you know, just try and, I guess, figure out what I was going to do. So I, I'm quite quick to adapt to things. And I think that's because I've been through Women's Refuge as a um, when I left my husband 10 years prior and I've learned that I, if I need some results, I need to adapt. There's no time to waste. During the first five years of, of my separation, I never got sick because I had no time for that in my mind. So the power of the mind is so powerful. Um, and so during the COVID experience, we had to, you know, uh, think about, okay, at that time I was working alone. I ended up teaming up with three other photographers and we've developed um, another concept together so that wouldn't have happened had we not have been through that and uh, that I think in long term gain that will be a bigger thing for my business and also um, worked a lot more with Kiwis which was really cool because generally a lot of Kiwis couldn't afford to pay the prices that we were charging in tourism and you'll know this if you traveled around New Zealand and and you know did activities with local people to keep everybody going which was amazing that first year of people coming in and um, Kiwis supporting Kiwis was amazing and you know absolutely cool and so we changed things around to and I'm still doing that now I'm still focusing on my Kiwi clients and doing photography workshops and tutoring more than taking people on an adventure I still do that too but um, you know, my main client base used to be overseas tourists coming in for an astrophotography night sky tour or something along those lines, just for a one night or one day. Whereas now I'm sort of doing more longer term four or five day group workshops um, with local people, which is really rewarding because actually we're filling up our own country's cup, if you like. Um, and, you know, yes, the money has definitely changed in terms of income. However, you know, there's a lot of great things that have come out of of those amazing relationships and what I love about that from for me is that it's created a community of people who are on the same page as me and who love adventures as well um so we do a lot of cool stuff together on the regular which I wouldn't have created um had I been so busy also I spent a lot more time with my children over the last three years because I haven't been as chaotically busy. And that's, I think, a big plus, especially at this age. Um, and my kids are now super excited and getting in, got the photography bag themselves and getting into doing some stuff too. So, you know, it's funny how we kind of go, okay, in the moment, yes, this is really difficult. This is challenging. And I'm, I'm um, you know, having to change what I'm doing. But I think there's definitely a lot of people in tourism would say, yes, we've lost a lot of income and that's difficult. However, we're actually having an opportunity to, um, you know, redevelop our whole industry. Exactly. And a lot, of, a lot of people have had to do the same thing, you know, yes. so coming yeah. from, so from Reality Check Radio, you know, we just want to send a lot of love out to all the people that have over the past three years found themselves, you know, either squeezed into a corner, having to um, you pivot or as we say, reimagine 
or even like kind of lovingly let go of something that they really loved doing, but it just wasn't feasible, whatever the reason, be that economy or be that a mandate situation. So I just wanted to send some big mm. love out to everyone. Kind of, I think with grief and loss, uh, one yeah. thing is to be able to acknowledge, like acknowledge that it has been tough. And then like you're, you've just demonstrated such a brilliant attitude around being grateful for the silver linings that have come out of it while not undervaluing the experience that it was. So I just wanted to pass that yeah, on thank you. to those that are have been in a similar boat or a slightly yeah. different size boat or a different shape boat. <laughs> and, and, you know, to the people who, who were coerced, if you want to call it that, um, I'm really sorry for them because it's just difficult. I was fortunate that I didn't have to take that step and I chose not to and I didn't mandate my business because I didn't want to discriminate any of my clients. And so that actually changed my whole business as well because I did get quite a bit of nasty um, feedback from some people on that at the time um, but you know I stood my ground I stood in my power I put my feet on the grass and <laughs> were grounded and had my foundation of who I am with you know uh, certainty and gratitude in my heart and that was what was best for me and my family and I think you know to people that that have done that I have so much respect because it wasn't an easy choice and for people that were coerced and didn't you know and have that opportunity like I was lucky enough to be able to do that and still be okay um you know I just I just think it's just such a tragedy and it'll 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 bring us back together in the future I think in different in a different way as well when people understand and become you know more aware of of, of certain things um, and I think, you know, with grief, it opens you up to find parts of yourself that you didn't know were there. So that's another wee tip that I think, um, you know, no one wants to intentionally go through grief. But when you find yourself in that place, um, you know, you find out who your real friends are and you find out who your support structure is. And that can be powerful. You also um, can get a bit lost in that. So it's really important to also understand that, um, you know, it's, it's an emotional experience. It is something that, um, you know, can be quite confusing. We don't always think clearly when we're in a state of grief or loss. And so when you're in those times, don't make big choices or decisions would be my advice. Um, it's okay to wait. It's okay to sit down and rest. It's okay to stop and take, you know, some time, however long that is for yourself. And sometimes you know, until COVID, I don't think I had actually sat down hard. I used to be on the go and you'll be the same with your busy family until 10 o'clock every night. And I hadn't sat down all day or hardly eaten anything because I was so busy. That wasn't actually healthy. Um, so, you know, it's really important, I think, to stop and, and smell the roses, as we say, which is, is so realistic. And I've done a lot more of that since my dad passed away because every time I go out into the mountains and the glacier and places like that or under the Milky Way, I'm taking the, the experience for them because they're not here to experience it. So I'm grateful that I'm able to walk on those, those lands and have those beautiful experiences that um, you know I can share with others. And I'm always thinking of them, my brother and my dad, when I'm out there and when you're under the Milky Way, you can't help but look up to the universe. And, and you know, I talk to them when I'm out there, but, um, you know, whether they hear me or not, I don't know. But, you know, it just inspires you to think, you know, more as a, that we live in this multi-layered universe of energy and frequency and, um, you know, quantums and things. And, you know, it's just so fascinating. I'm really excited about the future for all our kids because 
you know, kids like mine, they are so open-minded to new information and they're our future world leaders. They are the ones who, have, you know, my kids have been through all that grief that I've been through also with me and for themselves. And so that's changed them as teenagers. They're actually amazing teenagers. And people often say to me, oh, God, teenagers, you poor thing. And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> because my teenagers are amazing because yeah, they've I've, got uh, yeah, a lot of development. Yeah, I know. I call, I'm actually, I call it, the, we're in the honeymoon stage at the moment with, it, <laughs> with, with mine. Um, so just coming back to nature, you know, the power of nature, getting into the outdoors, so healing. So for people going through grief and loss, obviously trying to spend some time outside either doing things that you love not just doing things but doing things that you love um or even quiet time in nature you know my background i actually came to new zealand from canada as a 23 year old i'm about to turn 50 now and um i was an outdoor instructor so rock climbing kayaking and um awesome. and sailing i worked it outward bound and a lot of what i did was out in the in the nature which i don't do a lot of now what is one of your favorite places in new zealand you've had the the experience of seeing so many incredible places what's one of your faves yeah sure um yeah i have been to some amazing places around the world actually um in my life and uh came back to live in new zealand after being overseas for five years because it's the best country for adventuring in my opinion and i love love the whole um you know vibration of that we have here and uh you know i think with the grief you can get caught up with you know certain behaviors or choices that are not good for us because it's easy to do so um it's really cool if you can stop yourself from that and change it and do something um as you say like nature so for me my happy place is the Mackenzie country which is down in the South Island um Lake Tikapo, Takapo and Araki Mount Cook, Twizel, Amarama all around there um, it actually happens to be an international dark sky reserve which for me as a photographer is amazing because it's really dark and I love that and you know even that in itself challenging myself as a woman to go out in the dark on my own under the stars in the middle of nowhere um, which I do on the regular just to keep myself um, you know on top <laughs> just to keep on maintaining my um I guess, level of courage to go and do something like that. Um, I just love to challenge myself to do that. And, you know, a lot of women come out with me in those places because they don't want to go alone. Mm. And then often, you know, they'll realise actually it's probably one of the safest places in the world to, to be. So um, the, it's not lost on me every time I go how spectacular it is. And, you know, the weather is changing all the time you'll know that song the Finns sing about four seasons in one day it's always a big joke on workshops about that because that's what happens there it's you know an alpine environment and so you can have you know all sorts of different weather and every time you go and stand in the same spot you can take a different photo so for me um, that would be my number top number one but probably closely followed by Fjordland and and down in the sounds is, is pretty spectacular and it's just quite different than the Mackenzie. So yeah, so far. Amazing. Well, that, that <laughs> leads more, me. I got more places to go yet. <laughs> more on the list. That leads me really nicely into my next question. This is something I ask all my guests, which is what is something you have done, achieved, or experienced in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Yep. Okay. So that um, for me actually is something a little different than what we've been talking about. And it's actually been getting into a new relationship after being 
single and on my own for 10 years um, and just accepting that that was my life and I was happy and fulfilled with that and my children were enough for me. Um, I just ended up meeting an amazing person who I've come into this incredible relationship with. But interestingly, I, before that happened, I made a list about six months prior. I did a lot of work on myself because I found felt like I was... Um, after you know the lockdowns and everything I just kind of felt like I wanted to be able to change who I was and and once my kids do grow up and move away from home what will I you know what will I fulfill that part of my life with and so I just started doing a lot of personal development work on myself and a lot of meditation and spiritual healing and energy healing and releasing old energy that was stuck in inside me um and, you know, anyone that does energy healing, you understand the, the levels of um, layering that we have in our cellular structure that can be there for decades and, or, or even more than that in past lifetimes, if you're into that. Um, and so I did a lot of work on that with other healers. I've done a lot of um, reading and, and listening and learning. And I made this list of this beautiful person that I would love to be in a relationship with. And then about four months later, I uh, got into the situation at a work at an astrophotography workshop where we connected and you know we always laugh about it now and say it must have been from the stars so uh, yeah so and you are a, you're a manifesting generator aren't you so you yeah. manifested that situation so after going through women's refuge and a lot of trauma and a lot of family court and horrific, horrific experiences with my children's father um I just yeah I'd kind of close that door I guess and so then I realized once I connected and and with him that there was a lot of stuff there that I needed to address and he was patient enough to allow me the space to do that which was really cool as well so yeah it's really exciting to um you know be able to share the share that part of my life with someone amazing and he also happens to be a photographer so we do lots of cool stuff together and um you know I wished I had have done something like that at a younger age but you know, you, you learn all these things and go, oh, yeah, no, I don't need to do that. But actually, <laughs> but, you know, nothing's ever a mistake. You know, I've got my beautiful children and they're amazing human beings. And Exactly. You know, think- so, so speaking, of, that's very exciting about the relationship. And speaking of relationships and specifically friendships, um, I'm sure that pretty much all of our listeners can resonate with having an experience where we've lost friends over the last three years because of whatever, but mainly mm. differing opinions, I imagine. Um, is there anything that you've, have you experienced that? Or, I mean, so, well, I know personally, I, I did lose, I would say a handful of friends, um, but I gained a lot more and a lot more people that were just easier to be around because when you when you have similar views as some people or you don't have to edit your thoughts you can just be yourself it just feels easier what are your comments or what's your experience with that yes I've had the same experience and uh, I feel now in hindsight at the time I found it really difficult in the moment at the beginning Um, you know it did go to the heart space it did hurt it was difficult it was painful at the start and then I just came to the realization that you know happy people don't treat other people that way and if I believe that everybody's worthy of love then they made the decision that for themselves based on the information they had and, and acted in a certain way probably meaning meaning well 
but it wasn't delivered that way. Um, and I've just, I suppose, a word I would probably use, which is not something I use a lot, is I've just forgiven anyone mm. who's um, projected their fear onto me mm. because that's what it was. It wasn't actually mine. And that's when I put the umbrella up again because mm. actually, you know, some of the people who were unkind to me crossed a few lines that were un inappropriate and difficult conversations. However, yet again, you go, okay, now I'm going to choose myself. No, that's a no from me. That's a that's a big thing in my life. I teach my kids, I teach my clients, we talk about this a lot, that if something doesn't resonate, it's a no from me. And you're allowed to say that. And it's okay to say that. And you don't have to be rude. You can just say, yeah, that sounds great, but that's not going to work for me. Or that's a no from me. And, um, you know, we kind of joke and laugh about it all, all the time about different con comments, you know, when someone says something and we go, oh, that's a no from me, but actually I'm really serious about it because, you know, and my mum taught me that. So the whole thing I think about all of this is that like-minded people teaching other people, which is what you just said about, you know, you can be your own authentic self is so crucial. And that's going to be the, in my opinion, that's going to be the making of the next version of humanity because there are a lot of incredible people out there and, you know, you might be listening listening to this and you're probably one of them because you're listening to this now. You actually have the power and you have the power in your home, your workplace, your relationships, the people around you to be incredible and amazing and don't be afraid to be amazing. Some people won't like it because you're showing them how powerful you are and it makes them realize they're not in their own power and I think that's actually the key to all of what we've been talking about today mm, I love mm -hmm. that and it, it, uh, your point about um saying that's a no from me you know I had a friend and she <laughs> didn't want to be on the I don't know if it was the PTA or the board or whatever it was and she's like oh but no one else is doing it and Nat you're so good with with these things you know what what, what should I do and I said just say that's a no from me. Like I literally <laughs> told her that exact same. That's a no. and she goes, really? I'm like, just say, thank, I'm honored to be asked. So it's a gratitude and talk to the hand, you know, that that's a no from me. Um, so I love that phrase. It's really easy to remember. And, and in yes. terms of your advice about people being so powerful, yes, yes. Double. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's people, you know, I think humanity is slowly realizing, remembering yes. how truly, yes. truly powerful we are we have been dumbed down as such. And a lot of the situations of challenges that we faced, you know, and, and grief and loss. And I mean, it does make us, it does make us stronger, but we actually are stronger than we realize. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking about this when you asked me this, to talk about this topic is when I'm sometimes out in nature, which to me is a real good way to level yourself because you're just a guest in a, in a, in a person that's here for a visit mm. on earth. And so you stand there in these incredible and amazing places in silence. And sometimes quite often these days, you're the only one there, which to me is absolutely mind boggling when you look around the cities of the world and everything. And, you know, sometimes I might have a wee tear or a wee cry and that's okay. And because I'm just releasing a memory or a thought or a, a feeling and I think I teach this to my kids quite often as well that, you know, it's okay to cry. Like, I think we've forgotten about the power in that and releasing and washing away whatever those emotions are 
it's actually really cool to be able to allow yourself the permission to do so. And, you know, I sometimes have done that in front of other people, which I'm fine with, um, but not everyone is. So if you're not okay with that, you know, it is really cool to do that. But, you know, don't get yourself in a state of despair, but allow yourself to release the grief, which pops up in the most randomest of times, especially when it's been a parent or a sibling or a partner or a child, especially. Um, you know, I can't even imagine the grief someone would go through to lose a child. However, you know, it's it's a feeling that we have or an energy that we have the choice to hold on to or let it go and I know that might sound really callous but there are ways to do it that are healthy and you know you can keep on going and keep on going and going through it as long as you want however mm. it's not necessary to be go grieving for years and years and years in my opinion I think we've been taught that in the Western society and it's not right. You know, I look at some of the other cultures and how beautifully they um, celebrate the life of their people that have passed. And that's one thing I love about the Matariki stars and the, the whole history around that. And, you know, the, it's the time each year to let go of souls that have passed. Um, and it's beautiful, you know. And so I think it's just reminding ourselves that it's okay to do that and, when, but then, you know, once you get into out of that environment to be able to just breathe through if you need to and be grateful to actually be on this planet living and alive and, and, and have freedom of choice at the moment. Let's hope, God forbid, that doesn't change. But, um, you know, people like us, we're, we are the ones who are going to have the courage, the brave to step up for others. And that's actually our job. So, not everyone's going to be able to do that. So I, that's why I speak. I speak on quite a few platforms and I do it and use my voice because I'm able to for everybody else and, and for everybody's kids. So mm. that's kind of a bit of a work in progress for me and coming in the future as well. It's helping a lot of the youth. Mm. Amazing. So many, so many gems there in what you just said about releasing and allowing yourself to cry and allowing yourself to... Um, to move on and, and not mm. feel like you have to go in circles and relive it and try to understand it. Um, Rach, how can people follow you? How can they contact you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, um, Rachel Gillespie NZ, and my work stuff is all on nztraveladventure.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, but yeah, mostly I'd put most of my stuff up on Instagram and most of my work is actually done by connecting in with me send me an email, have a chat, let me know what you're looking for. Um, or you may just simply want a beautiful ethereal print for your house. Or, um, yes. But I try, I try and actually speak to clients. I don't just have it on a website where you press a button. I actually like to talk to people. So, so if we go to your Instagram, can we see some of your photography? Is it there? Yes, it's all on there. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible. Thank you so much, Rach. Hey, before we wrap things up, is there any final words that you want to say? I think we've covered most of it, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, know yourself. I think that's, you know, I can't remember who said it, but it was someone famous who said, know thyself, love thyself, be thyself. And that comes to me. I learned that when I was quite young from a seminar I went to, and it comes to me on the regular these days. And I think just coming back to my dad's fifth anniversary of his passing in June, 
um, I feel really at peace with that and it's a time to just reflect on you know the amazing experiences and the good things we shared over our lives um, and you know I know not everyone has all good experiences with people but you know you can try and let go of, of the pain and suffering bits and focus on the the good bits as we say in our family we always talk about focusing on the good bits you know and uh, maybe that's enough <laughs> thank you so much for having me on it's been amazing really loved to talk and uh, appreciate it so good to see you Rachel Gillespie and thank you for sharing so many of your experiences so to everyone who's listening you know whether it be grief and loss for you around the the, lo the loss of a loved one the loss of a relationship or a friendship even even health and wellness, you know, a lot of people over the past few years have lost, you know, had grief and loss around their health and wellness as well. We are sending you love. Hopefully some of the things we've mentioned today can help you to um, to collect the life lessons from that, to move on feeling more empowered and remembering that you are so much more powerful than you realize. Thank you so much, Rachel. And we'll see you guys next time. Some great actionable uh, guidance there and tips from Rachel Gillespie. And by the way, you can check out her, her photos are gorgeous. I mean, if you just want to remember how gorgeous New Zealand is, um, go and have a look at her photography. It's beautiful. And also I'd love to hear, you know, I'm, I'm a Canadian Kiwi. I've been here since I was 23, which was many, many moons ago. Um, so I've been here for a long, long time, 26 years or so. And I've seen a lot of the country. I actually have not seen much of my own country, Canada, but I'd love to hear from you guys. What is one of your favorite places? in New Zealand, where is somewhere that you go, you know, maybe if you are going through a hard time, grief and loss, where is your happy place? Where is somewhere that you like to go that, that lifts your spirits and helps you to feel a little bit more on top of the world? Uh, let us know. Also let us know uh, if you, if you've got anything for our other segments, we had the bucket list busters where you can email us and let us know one to two things on your bucket list that you would like some help with. We're not going to fundraise for you, but we can definitely set you up with some amazing ideas, some connections, perhaps somebody else that has already done something on your bucket list and help you to make that a reality. You can send the, your emails to inbox at Reality Check Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing, amazing weekend. And we'll see you next time on the Up Your Brave show. Until then, I am Natalie Cather Welsh. Remember, you are so, so courageous, confident, and lean on your community, ask for help. And together, we're going to uh, bring everyone back together and make some amazing connections. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio. Wow.
people are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic and I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all this separation do we end up bringing people together again and what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behavior and patterns of behavior? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. between the highlights Yeah, I know, but I'm fine It's been a rough time Poker face in play Otherwise it makes me think I'm unsafe Yeah, I know, it's strange Wish it wasn't this way But no one seems to know any better I designed it that way I know it seems I had it together But just because I carry it well Doesn't mean it isn't heavy And I don't need some help I know I keep it locked down But all I want now is somebody can tell me how it's gonna turn out Cause I thought I'd be doing better by now Yeah, I thought I'd be doing better by now But don't I carry it well Grateful but impatient, get hateful but don't say it So those who mean the most will get the best of me And I can come back home and fight the rest of me It's best to leave Cause no one seems to know any better And I designed it that way I know it seems I have it together But just because I carry it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy and I don't need some help I know I keep it locked down But all I want now is somebody who can tell me how it's gonna turn out Cause I thought I'd be doing better by now Yeah, I thought I'd be doing better by now 
not carry it well. Don't not carry it well. Cause no one seems to know any better. Just because I carry it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy and I don't need some help. I know I keep it locked down, but all I want now is somebody who can tell me how it's gonna turn out. Cause I thought I'd be doing better by now. I thought I'd be doing better by now. But don't I carry it well? Don't I carry it well Cause no one seems to know any better
You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for a reality check. Reality check. RCR, Reality Check Radio. Rational discussion, common sense, and open debate for real. With me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. I'm 22, you know I'm 305, got it on my body, I got everybody in a job, somebody hit the light camera, let me improvise, can I get a hallelujah, more moolah, more peace for my medulla, the whole crew up, yeah, Louis Prada, Dundada, top flow, come take a ride up with the Prada, I came up from the bottom, you have no idea, you can't sweat through my story, write my name in his story, oh, Open eye, re-emerge from the side like a god, I'm talking real guap 23, 45 with the rock, I'm a lot, I am not what they think I like it dirty, I'll be filthy with the ricochet She threw it at me, I hit it right down the straightaway Feel like somebody put a blue pill in my lemonade I think that's how I ended up in the bay With this pain in my head, you know I Came up from the bottom, you have no idea You can't sweat through my story, no sir Just one 
somewhere nobody knows my name But you can't tell me I look pretty inside your chains
information the reality check has arrived rcr reality check radio leave your keys if you're not coming home you packed your bags full of letting go you were moving in now you're moving on There's no getting used to you being gone You were down, now you're giving up Just a false start if you're quitting on us Another year, just another light Wish you'd call so I could say goodbye let you know I'll wait for you every night If you ever want to fall in love If you ever want to bet on us If you ever want to be my Thank you. 
much has changed I've been feeling the pieces But I still can't find my place You thought you knew me well But there's one thing I didn't tell you Remember, that's when I remember. 
told me I shouldn't listen to the voices that go round in my head. So I tried to delete all the memories, but you're really hard to forget. I Distract myself because someone else. But every now and then you remind me only when I'm lying in bed on my own. And I wake up and I don't see your name on my phone. To the moments when I think that I'm better alone. That's when I that's when I remember every time I walk past your house in the rain. And I tell myself that you are the best. And just when I think I'm finally doing okay That's when I remember that I'm missing you I'm missing, I'm missing That's when I remember It's only when I'm lying in bed on my own And I wake up and I don't see your name on my phone It's in the moments where I think that I'm better alone That's when I remember, that's when I remember But she moves like lightning And she counts to three And she turns out all the lights And says she's coming for me And I put your hands up This is a heist And there's no one in here living Gonna make it out alive Load it up when the sun comes down Getaway car for two young lovers Me and the girl straight out of town Over the hills and undercover Undercover, undercover She said Green, green grass Blue, blue sky You better throw a party on The day that I die Green, green grass Blue, blue sky You better throw a party on the day that I die Yeah. 